people that like are closed-minded that are in this type of business, whether it be sports, news, current events, what just fucking talking like this, whatever it is, they're not going to get anywhere because A, they're going to be afraid to put themselves out there because they don't want people to disagree with their opinions. And B, when they actually go to do that and you know, then they're trying to start conversations with people, they're not going to be able to because they're fucking hacks. They're like, they're like, nope, this is what I think. That's it. They can't be like people that. People thrive off of negativity. People thrive from saying, this video sucks, send. Yep. People love because it's easy. It's easy. It's hard to be nice. It's easy to be a fucking prick. What's cooking, everybody? I am joined in the bunker today. By my very good friend, Mr. Taylor Ringgold. Taylor is a podcaster, as well as somebody who works at WFAN up in New York City, which, for those of you who are unaware of WFAN, it is one of the three most prestigious sports radio stations in America, no doubt about it. Now, I assumed that Taylor, being a sports guy, was going to come down here, we were going to talk all about sports, and once again... An assumption I made about a conversation with a guest did not go that way, and I am better for it because I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and the things we did talk about. I'm not going to go through everything we went through, but two things specifically I did want to point out. First, we had a good maybe half hour, 40 minute segment in there about the Clubhouse app. It was in the middle of the podcast where we discussed how the tide has kind of turned there it was something that everyone was so excited about. And now a lot of people are like, eh, yeah, I was on that. I'm off, whatever. It's stupid. For those of you who are unaware of that app, it was an was. <laughs> Got to watch my words there. It is an audio-only app that allows you to go into rooms and speak with other people around the world on specific topics that really, I mean, it launched in early 2020, but it started to actually get traction in, say, December, January, and February. And so if you've been paying attention to the story at all, the downloads of the app went through the roof, and then they've just kind of fallen off a cliff the last couple months. So Taylor has actually done a terrific job on that app. I, I really haven't been on it the last three months or so, but Taylor's still on there every day, and he runs the MLB on Clubhouse room there for Major League Baseball. And so I wanted to get his thoughts on, on what he was thinking there because, in my opinion, he's somebody who's used the app very, very well, and some of the negative side effects we've seen from people going on the app obviously have been nowhere near what he's doing there with the MLB room, but I wanted to get his thoughts on the rest of the community and how and if this can kind of turn around. So that was a very good in-depth conversation, and then I also appreciated our conversation on building off of zero. Because Taylor has had his podcast, which if I didn't say this, it's called the End of the Bench Podcast. You can get it on Apple and Spotify, and it is a sports podcast. But he has had that for a few years. He's built it off zero himself. I have a show here that I'm building off zero. Many of you out there are building or have built things off zero or want to build things off zero. And so hearing somebody talk about it in basically like working his way through that process and what he's thinking, good, bad, and indifferent, I know I really appreciated it. And I think you guys will too. So I hope you enjoy Taylor. Great guy. And I look forward to having him in here again. Now, if you've heard me the last couple of weeks speak about our new sponsor, our friends at 8sleep, then you know that you should probably get on there and think about maybe, maybe improving your sleep by getting one of their products. Now, for those of you who are unaware and haven't heard me speak about 8sleep, 8sleep is a mattress company. 
but they are a tech mattress company. Basically, you put tech on anything and immediately it's better. But seriously, it is. So chances are at night you go to bed, maybe you love your mattress, but you lie back and it's just a piece of foam. And then it's on you to get all the thoughts out of your head and actually fall asleep and then stay asleep and then feel rested in the morning. Eight Sleep has a proprietary app that hooks into their bed. Yeah, some wild shit. That allows you to fall asleep faster. It reduces your sleep interruptions. And it gives you an all-around better night's sleep. I'm not going to dig into exactly how that happens, but it has to do with body temperature and shit like that. But it works. So essentially, where you used to sleep six hours and feel like you slept four or six, now you feel like you slept eight. That's the simple value prop, if you will, here. For those of you who are thinking right now, though, that, A, I love my mattress and I, I don't think I want to get a new one and a mattress is a big investment. It is. I got a solution for you, though. Eight Sleep also sells the Pod Pro cover. So they have the Pod Pro mattress, which starts at around $3,000, which is actually very reasonable if you are in the business of buying a mattress right now. But they have the Pod Pro cover that starts at around seventeen fifty. And the cover is the same thing as the mattress, except if you like your current mattress right now, you buy the cover and you just put it on top of your current mattress and have the app wired into it and get all the same benefits. That's what I do personally, by the way. So if you would like to try this out, and I promise you, you won't be disappointed and it'll change your life, hit the link in my description and use the code Trendifier at checkout for either the mattress, the Pod Pro mattress, the full thing, or the Pod Pro cover. And you will get $100 off. Amazing. Anyway, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you're on YouTube right now, hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button. And leave a like and comment on the video, if you would, please. To all of you who have been leaving a five-star review with a comment on Apple Podcasts, thank you. I say it every week. They are amazing. They are a huge help for listeners, new listeners, coming into the page and deciding whether or not they're going to give the show a try. And I know a lot of you do listen on Spotify rather than Apple, but if you own an iPhone and you have that podcast app and you can take a second to go in there and leave a five-star comment and review, it is a huge, huge help. So I would really, really appreciate that. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendfire. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the nuance? You're giving opinions and calling them facts. Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. Taylor Wrinkle. What's up, my dude? What's up, dude? The last time I saw you, we were leaving New York City. Mm-hmm. After the next gen summit, correct, and I later got robbed. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I was on the train home with my buddy Liam, who was with me, and we were just talking, I guess. And I think I saw on your Instagram story, I want to say, yeah, and your boys that were there too. And yeah. I was just like, "Holy shit, dude!" It happened like right away. I had I had Mitch hanging out last night. We were uh, he was over here. He said hello, by the way, nice. and. I think we had left there at like six. We were back in Jersey City at the at our place by like six twenty five. Went and grabbed a quick bite and then gone. Just everything stolen from the car. Was the car the car was unlocked, right? 
Unfor- unfortunately, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, one day, I'm going to have Mitch in here, and we're going to do an episode where we just recount that story, and not necessarily like the robbery itself, right. everything that happened after, because that was a wild fucking week. That was like... Well, I mean, was, what was it, like five, six grand worth of material? Oh, it was more than that. More, right? You had laptops, you had hard drives, you had cameras, you had microphones, you had recorders, you had everything. And all that cost some, some money, obviously. I think it was sure. probably like 10, 11 grand or something, which is not nothing. But the more disappointing part, the most disappointing part of it was all of Mitch's hard drives were in there. Because he had packed his hard drives. Oh, yo, I'm to, stressed. I'm really dude, sweating. I know. Dude. This, I know. I'm freaking out. I know. It was bad. He had, I, I, dude, I've never felt so bad for someone who didn't die or like have a family member or somebody <laughs> die as right. after that happened because his entire life was on those hard drives and they were it's all taken. Called, it's called the cloud. You know what, though? We did have assets on the cloud. So there were some things, like we had done the Maxwells earlier that year. Okay. So we had that all on the cloud, thank God. And there were other things that we did as well, but there was like a ton of old files that he had taken off the cloud that's for like safekeeping and reuse in the future. A bunch of big, because when you're putting, you know how it is, when you're putting big content files on the cloud, it takes a long time. Right, and so, I, it, yeah. seems like, it seems like every six months I'm re-upping and buying a larger like yep. amount of gigabytes. Yep. Or terabytes from the cloud because I you know I do all these interviews and I what I do is I, now every like five or six interviews I take it off my computer put it on a hard drive and it's on the mm, cloud yeah so I have storage on my computer that's a lot that's a lot yeah you're not kidding but that's like that's the point so he had it on multiple different things and it just so happened that he was going to be going down to South Jersey for the week because he was always remote sure. in his job so he could work from there and so he packed up the car before we went and grabbed the bike because he was just going to leave straight from there. And so everything happened to be in there. And it was like, again, we'll, we'll tell the aftermath of that one time because it was That wild, was rough. I mean, when I saw it because, you know, we were there two days together. Yeah. And that's where mm-hmm. I met you. You were right next to me. Yep. And um, we were both on our grind. And it, it seemed like all the action was next to us, just us two. Completely. Well, yeah, we also were set up and people are, people are like, what the fuck are we talking about? There was this yeah, this yeah. conference, the Next Gen Summit, which like a lot of entrepreneurs and high-end businessmen and some business celebrities, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. like Jesse Itzler was there, Reed yeah. Hoffman, some um, of those guys. Brennan Copeland, who was at the time yep. was a linebacker for the Jets, who was a big entrepreneur. Kalechi Semele was there as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like a whole bunch of different people. And it was, you know, it's a two-day summit run by these two guys who run like a company that runs these things in different cities. And it's the big one that's in New York City in June 2019. So you, if I remember correctly... We were brought in to run like sit down media and just like do long, longer form, not long form, but like, you know, 20, 30 minute interviews with all the different people there. Mine was actually shorter. Yours was different because you were like the red carpet guy. Right. I was that. I guess that's how they portrayed it as when these speakers were done doing their keynotes, you know, whatever their TED talks, whatever you want to call them. When they were done, they would come over, they would get escorted over by the workers or whatever that were volunteered for the day, and they would bring them over to me for five to eight minutes. I I asked them questions, and it was cool. It's a different vibe, though. Like when, was, when you're like standing up and you're like, yo, I got a few minutes to, and there's like crowds around and shit. And you know I'm what used I mean? to it. I'm used to short amount of time. I'm used to, um, 
you know, it's high leverage. You need to get the questions in, get the answers going, because you know they've been talking for 20 minutes already and they want to go home. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, they halfway... It's like they don't want to do it, yeah. but they know they have to. And I would, you know, you have to deal with, you know, people that are just not interested. And you're like, look, all right. My thing was when I when I did those interviews. First of all, I don't know shit about tech. <laughs> you're a sports guy. I'm a sports. guy. I don't know shit about tech. I the the amount of research I had to do like three days before because I would I would ask them, hey, can you give me the list of people so I can research? Yeah, and it was like six days before. It was some, like we said, it was there were some, a lot of serious people there. I mean, Jess Itzler it ain't no joke, man. No. He, he's minority owner of the Hawks, Good big guy. entrepreneur, very nice guy. guy. Um, and I was like talking to my buddy. I'm like, you don't, I don't know any of these people besides who Brendan Copeland is, you know. <laughs> and you know, I, I didn't even talk to the other guy. I didn't even talk to him. Well, he wasn't even Kalechi was just rolling around, man, because he had just he had just been signed by the Jets, which then turned into a whole thing. But he was literally just like rolling through, like, oh, he he'd been. Connecting with Gary V, I think, and doing some stuff with him yeah, because Gary yeah, V is like right. a big fan. Mm-hmm. And then he heard about this and he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm, I'll, I'm not I'll doing just, anything. I'll show up. Yeah. Right. So, like, he, whereas Copeland, I think, was like, he was, he there was all a day. speaker and he yeah. was like, yeah. I sat, I, I was, he was the only guy I watched his, his speech and he was there. He did a 25 minute thing and he's big on real estate and, dude, he's smart as shit, that guy. I mean, I think he went to, it was either Harvard or Princeton, I think. He, he went to Penn. Penn. He, no, no, no. He taught at Penn. Right, he was While, a professor. like, he's still in the NFL right now. Yeah. He's a professor at Penn. Yeah. Guy's a savage. Guy's a savage. Great, you know, and, and it, it was cool because I try my best to have some sort of, like, you know, feed in sports topic in the question. Like, sure. Yeah. So there's some relatability, yeah. you know. Um, uh, Brendan Steiner, who owns Steiner Sports, was there. He was? He was there. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, he was there. Uh, he might have been, like, early day one, maybe. That's, I, I wish I had known that. That's uh, that's Chaz's guy. He's done a lot of work with him in the past. Yeah, he was and, very uh, nice. So there was some sort of sports guys there, and I got to talk. But there was people I, I, you know, per, look, I don't know who the fuck Jeff Hoffman was, <laughs> and now I do. I think it's Reed Hoffman. No, it was it was Jeff. Was it Jeff or yeah, Reed? It was Jeff Hoffman. Yeah. No, Reed is the LinkedIn guy. That's why Jeff is the what was the Priceline. Priceline. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then Alex Lieberman, who does um, Morning Brew. Morning Brew. Like mm-hmm. I, no longer, but yeah. You look at I looked it up and I was like, oh, these people are fucking legit. You know? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and it was uh, after two long days. You had a rough one, and <laughs> and you I fast forward my situation about a month down the line throughout the summer and. I'll keep it as frank as possible. Okay. You have the floor. Um, the people at NextGen hired this freelance videographer and, and uh, an audio person. They were probably college students, and they okay. had all the equipment that you needed. I didn't even know they did that, though, because, like, this was the one base they didn't have covered. You know what I mean? Like, they asked and, you and, guess and us to come in separate. They should have had it covered. Yeah. Like, this is very important, you know? <laughs> You know how you know video content's huge. Yeah. Everyone can go to this 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 a huge event. It's just great, but if you can't replay it on every social media or every platform yeah. afterwards, I mean, the, one of the audio person was doing audio, and she was also doing audio. Some other person that was volunteer did a Facebook Live thing every time I was interviewing somebody, but no one could hear them because it was so oh, yeah, loud. So many people, right? Yeah. So to bring it back together here. I was told when I got hired, I would I didn't get paid a dime. 
And I was fine with that yeah. because I knew in exchange, I was going to get every interview I was, I was doing. I did 14, maybe 12 interviews. At, you did at least that. Yeah, yeah. at least Because you pretty much talked to everybody. Almost with everyone we talked to. And I think each of us had an overlap of maybe three or four people who we did not both talk to. Yeah. Like you talked to three people. We like, But it was pretty much like right. we would get them to you and then they come straight and sit down with us and like, like a turnstile. And what happened was... Um, I was supposed to get the the interviews, you know, as a like get paid. I guess that that was my yeah yeah. And I was so hyped because I need more content just yeah. to have to in my possession, and I didn't get any zero because the videographer did not. Um, I guess the people that hired this kid um, didn't do their homework and. Yeah, he had. Yeah. I remember emailing back and forth between the guys that ha have the event and then the videographer about, "Hey, I, this was the deal. I want it. I deserve it, and I didn't get paid for it. So, in 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 exchange, I'm gonna get the footage." And the kid had this giant contract about, yeah, "I want twenty percent of the what audio it, guy, the video guy." Oh, okay. Yeah. I want twenty percent of what uh, whatever video you post. And it goes out. I want 20% of what you make off of those videos. I want credit, this, that, and the other. And it was a long contract, which was never given to me before. So it was given, of course, after the fact. And then I was extremely furious, but I kept my cool for about a month with respectful emails back and forth. And How can they give you a contract after the event? This is well, I want to hear about this because well, this is interesting to me. Well, the people at Next Gen were blindsided as well. But they didn't. Uh, but they didn't handle it right. As somebody who who has power and and who ran this gigantic event, gigantic event, I would think they would have a little more power and a little more authority than what they've shown. And and I was very disappointed by that because they seemed very nice. They were very nice. They were, yeah, very nice guys. And I was very disappointed because they didn't handle it right. Like I think here here's what I think and. You're totally within the right on this, and and I remember talking about this with you. And obviously, like that part didn't work out. I know you end up getting like at least a couple of them. Well, because I had my buddy Liam. Oh yeah. I said, look, you're gonna, you're gonna, I need I need some help. I can't do this on my own. So, in you want to come bring my camera on the side? Any like you know behind the scenes stuff. Got it. And I had, and I would say ninety percent of the videos, the audio was shit. It just yeah. didn't work out, but I got to fix a couple of them. But I do have video with Jesse Itzler, and yeah. but it something, was but it's yeah. something, but yeah. it wasn't what the, the, the yeah. You had a whole narrative there. My whole get my whole my whole thing going in was like I'm going to get 12 kick-ass in interviews, five to eight minutes, great for social, and these are important people that people do know. And you're like 23 years old doing this too. I mean, I'm, it's like this I, is exactly a sweet spot you want to. I do. missed my brother's graduation party. Like, I, I, like oh I, yeah, I remember that. You're like, yeah, it's my brother's graduation party right now. <laughs> yeah, right now they're they're having hot dogs right now. It's God like, damn. I, you know, you got to sacrifice some things. Yeah, and that's the whole part. Of What's your brother's name? Jake. Fuck you, Jake. Yeah. Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like that. But that's the sacrifice you have to make sometimes. Yeah, I've missed so much shit, man. Yeah, I I think in in fairness to them. You know, I think Dylan and Justin at the time were like 23 or 22. They were young, right? And they have built like this whole community and they have all these crazy people who go to these different events for yeah. them. I mean, you get Jesse to come to an event and stuff. And, and like I hear it's it's like a network thing. So my understanding. I, I give know, him a lot of credit though. I don't know this for sure. But my understanding is this isn't like a paid conference. Like Jesse Etzler, no for example, he, he 
he commands a lot of money every time he speaks. Even even Hoffman, you know, some of yeah. these guys, it, like, you know, they're not just come, pulling up on a Saturday or Sunday to do something. But these guys, Justin and, and Dylan, obviously have built out this whole network. And then I guess the point is they have – they're like an access point because they get all kinds of startups around the country, like some that probably aren't going to make it, but a lot that are, like, hopeful and actually right. going to do something. And so their group of speakers, quote-unquote mentors and stuff, get access and first look at some of the most cutting-edge stage It's incredible. Stuff to come I, out. I, yeah. It was very impressive when – I mean, this whole venue was gorgeous, too. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. It's, Dude, ba- it's right behind you, right there on the background. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. You yeah, know, it's uh, it was, it was, I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, because it was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Which, but sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone to, to experience things, you know? 100%, man. You know, you know risk taking is just not in media, but it's in every field. You, if you want to succeed, you have to take some risks because if you don't, then what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And, and when you're in media too, because, you know, and obviously you've been at WFAN for a while on, on the programming side and you're like coming up and, and you've had your own podcast for a while. Like those are the types of things you have to do. You have to do your own show. You have to go out and you have to take weird, uncomfortable things that like might not even be your subject matter just to prove like, yo, I, I can make a narrative here because in the modern day, I mean, and I'd love to get a lot of your thoughts on this because you're like on the inside, on the industry too. Like there's so much traditional media just going away and the people who are winning attention are people who are winning online and people who are winning building themselves up by just kind of building a long-term resume. I mean, that's really, to me, when I see people break through, that's what I see every time. It's like, yeah, they've been doing this a while, you know? Yeah, it's, what what you're seeing now is the big-time media companies are trying to follow what mm. these more popular, like a Barstool or, mm-hmm. like, you know, Barstool is the, is the prime example of what, people want to watch and people want to listen to because it's, it's are you a big fan of that? i'm a huge fan yeah. of this I, I'm, they're great yeah i've, great, I've made some cool relationships with some of the guys that have, that have worked there um but they're relatable and relatability is the biggest thing yep. right now i can't relate to like unfor- i can't relate to scott van pelt scott van pelt is the peak the tip top best sports host in the world i can't like relate to him He's one of my. Why, f- why is that? He's on. He's still on ESPN. He's a, he's an all timer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it, just the way that some of the some of the people at Barstool, they're just the like the you know their, their thing was like a, the common man, right? Mm-hmm. They're just a bunch of bunch of people talking sports, shit talking. You just you're not finding that at these big time media companies of yeah. Fox Sports or they're trying like undisputed. They're trying the banter. You know, first take. That's they're wearing been for a suit, years. Man. And that and that's also another thing. It's look, I don't know how long they're going to wait until they kind of conform to the other side, where the new stream, the the, you know, the new media nowadays, where it's laid back. It's um, you can voice your own opinion, and if you're wrong, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the mainstream media, the the ESPNs of the world, the Fox Sports, the um, I'm like forgetting other channels here, but I don't know if they'll ever get there. And it's when it's when it's when companies like Barstool hit, a, uh, they go somewhere else, like they bring a show to a network, and that show kills. Then they might 
see a change. Like they, they've already been shut down doing that, though. They tried to do that. They to tried. ESPN and it then, was that, you know that, they took one quote out of context. Like, oh yeah, now we can't do this show. Like something Dave Portnoy said in the past. It's it like, was, yeah, you it was, can't. Right. So it's it's a it's a. This has been going on for a long time, but it's yeah. still very new. Yeah. So it's a it's a matter of time, I think, but it's just going to take a long time for these. It's about who's running the network, right? Who's gonna who's gonna have the balls to go to the other side? It's really hard on the traditional side because they're working against groupthink and they're working against and when we're talking about public companies too, like ESPN owned by Disney, they're working against like public shareholders in a certain way. It's of about doing business. It's about ad deals and products. Yeah. You think. You know, fucking Coca-Cola wants to hear someone talking about, you know, no. dick and balls. No. But that's the other thing, man. Corporate culture is so and, – and it's not even like – I, I want to be careful how I say this. But, you know, for years, I would say almost like too early, but I got to give them credit. They were kind of onto something. You saw like a lot of – in the 2000s, you'd see like some pretty hardcore conservatives talking about how – they weren't using the word woke because it wasn't around, but like how just fucking like soft, you know, some of these networks were even sure. in things like sports. And I don't think they were right back then, but maybe they saw like a couple signs. And so I have to give them credit that maybe they saw something I didn't. But in the last several years, the focus at places like ESPN has gone to that corporate culture, which is driven down from them from the top, right? Because corporate culture is all about like, yo, how can we be like the most understanding and fucking pander and, and, Say whatever we got to say so that we don't get in the news and don't get crushed by somebody so in the media hard, trying man. to make a story. Right. And so I empathize with like these ESPNs of the world I when do it's too. like I do too. What are they supposed to do? It's and, and I feel like and I feel like you, you, we do see how ESPN and Fox Sports and other networks are trying. Yeah. They're trying their hardest to do it, but there's a lot of things in the way money yeah. money there's it's a lot of contracts and deals a lot of things are in the way and that's the it's it's all i think it's because it's once that changes once the products or once the companies that are working with these networks can be a little looser then i think things will change yeah i feel like espn wants to change and fox wants to change and other networks want to have more you do see it there's like a, a, a i forgot what the show is called i don't think it's even on anymore but it was a show that was at like two in the morning on espn and they were wearing jeans they had yeezys on they had bomber jackets and they were shooting yeah. the shit but it was at two o'clock in the morning on a tuesday yeah and that's that's the issue and there's such a you know i forget how you said you said it really well when you were talking about barstool which is it's the best example. I mean, and I way back in the day when I was first doing the podcast and experimenting around, I did an episode talking about that and why people really fucked with it and focus on Dave Portnoy more than anything because I've respected that from afar for so long. And like with Barstool, the way you were saying, it's just kind of like they're shooting the shit and there's no production to it. Like when they're watching the games and gambling on it it's literally just like a a one-shot screen maybe with one side camera or whatever and it's a bunch of dudes on a couch eating wings and screaming fuck you when something doesn't go their way there's no it's, it's authentic exactly it's and, authentic. and that's such an overused word but 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 that's it not, but not it's not only in sports media it's in it's in all podcasting yep. and all the the new media going on yep. everyone wants to see authentic authentic people having a scripted show like I, I watched a scripted podcast one time. <laughs> Holy shit, man! It was terrible. Because yeah. what? Look, 
you could have a scripted open monologue, right? It's fine. But the rest of the show should be just fluid. Like this is fluid. Yeah. Rogan's fluid. Part of my take is fluid yep. conversation. And they've always been that way too. Right. They have, they might like, you know, part of my take might have a bullet points of like, all right, we're going to start with this one, then this one, then this one, but we're not going to like, but we're, yeah, I'll put it off the side, but we're not going to like have it time coded. This is 15 minutes of conversation. You, I've always said in my interviews, I don't want a time limit on it. Yeah. Because why am I going to limit an amazing conversation that could, one topic can, I think could be 15 minutes, can go on for 45 I, and I've and you know what I've seen that with your content too because like you had the one a couple weeks ago I always forget the guy's name it was the NFL Network guy Scott Hansen yeah where he was talking you know you guys ended up on a on a sidebar talking about the April Fool's joke they played where he was right there on stage like oh that on, was that was Chris Rose I've had Chris, a couple yeah, a couple yeah. guys I've yeah had you've had guys. a couple of those guys but either way like yeah. he was on stage with it was Strahan, um, who's the actor, Tom Arnold, right? Yep. And then one or two other people. Rob Dibble like, and somebody else. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's just like, and this is a guy that, who you were talking to, who I'm used to being like, welcome back to Good Morning Football or like whatever. And of course he's great at what he does, but he's a part of that old guard and whatever. And then you see him get in to talk with you and it's just like, oh yeah, I'm shooting the show with Taylor. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, like obviously we have lights and cameras in here, right? Mm -hmm. We have mics just like they do, but there's not fucking 50 producers with headsets on telling you, screaming in your ear going, no, don't go there because... You don't have an IFB in, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's so fluid. And I guess the other question for you that's right on this topic that's kind of important is how fluid is it at WFAN? Because for people that don't know, WFAN, where you work is, I mean, it's the preeminent sports station in New York. It's historical. In the country. Yeah. I mean, I would say WFAN and WIP in Philly, mm-hmm. as far as sports stations WEI go. WEI, too, is up there in yep, Boston. In Boston. Yeah, and yeah. Those three cities are just, you know, sports havens. That's Fucking why. right there. But, you know, at least at WIP here, I used to go in the studio because I knew some of the guys there when I was like 17, 18. They were really natural. Like, it wasn't far off what we see now. Mm-hmm. And, like, do you find it pretty similar at WFAN in your experience? Yeah, being around talent is what they call in the business, the, the host. Yeah, yeah. If it's on TV or radio, it's called talent. Um, these guys are fucking naturals. Yeah. Naturals. Craig Carton, as much as you, you like him or you don't, a natural. Yeah. Evan Roberts, a natural. Mike Francesa <laughs> was a natural. Tilla. Tilla. Yeah. Tell her I'm not a natural. I, I got to see Francis twice before he retired. I never got to talk to him or shake his hand. I just saw him from afar. And it's like, it was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. You, the legend, right? But it's. He would talk for like five straight hours. It's just him. It's hard to do. Not many people, I, I talked one time. We'll get into the story later, but yeah, about yeah. talking for an hour straight by myself is tough. Um, but yeah, no, it's like going through a show, you know, it takes a lot of work. Everyone's got to be working together. The talent is doing their job, talking to baseball, answer, or talking to sports, and then answering calls. Mm-hmm. People behind the class, the board op, producer, all they all have to work together. If there's if if one person's off, the show's fucked. But the so I guess the the way to phrase the question is like how much of it is like yo this is exactly what we're going to be talking about and let's keep the calls there too versus it's like okay you know let's kind of roll with the punches we know these are the main stories going on so that's probably what they're going to talk about and we're going to go with it there there is, that was WIP there's there's a there's it's all it's honestly it's every radio station right you want to have a fluid conversation yeah. and you want to have the callers be on the same page as you and if you're really good at it you can 
time and out. It's like there could be, you know, your producers talking in your head. It's like, all right, let's go on the next topic in, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. But if you're an ex, if you're like a veteran doing it, you kind of like a mental clock in your head. Yeah. We've been talking about this for 25 minutes. Let's get on to something else. We go to break, come back. Mm -hmm. We have a new story coming out, whatever, breaking news, whatever it is. So it's about, um, I think there's a mixture of both structure and having being naturally fluid. Yeah. Right. And if, and if, because you can see, I've watched simulcast radio or whatever. That's where it's on TV mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, where in like the final hour or two, it gets kind of slow. And they yeah. just start rambling about shit, just nonsense, talking about favorite wings or they're talking about anything. And it doesn't have to relate to sports at all as long as it's entertaining. Well, I think the guys, when, when it's a co-host, when it's a couple of them, it's, it's definitely easier. The guys who right. have to host those like four-hour shows, and they got remember, they got to work it up against commercial breaks because mm -hmm. they're still old school like that in radio. It has to be. Mm -hmm. And... You know, that's where I feel like, you know, once you get like two hours in, it's like, all right, what don't we talk about in each segment? Like, how's this? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where when when you're talking about rambling, it's pretty hard not to. Oh, yeah. You just go off. T and then, you know what? Francesa, yes. Give the guy credit for talking five, six hours straight. Yeah. But when you have callers, yeah, it helps. True. That's true. It fucking helps because it's like, it's, it's like you're having a revolving you know a co-host for for a minute he, and he would always do like that opening monologue for like 15 20 minutes because when i lived up there i would listen in once in a while come on and be like the story about eli listen listen the giants th they messed this entire thing up they messed this and and you just you'd almost like get your blood going while while he's talking because he was such an artist with how he would like paint the picture and yet it's this he's a new york guy I mean, you listen to the accent and everything. It's like yeah. you talk about authenticity. It's hundred percent there, and and it's not like he can say fuck or whatever he wants to say. He's got to clean it up a little bit, but it doesn't. You almost don't notice that, even in today's times, where it's kind of easy to notice if someone can't do that. You know, it's it's a um, it's like a clean comic. It's a true talent to be yeah. a clean, like a Brian Regan, who is like a great comic, straight clean. Like Jim Gaffigan is clean. It's hard. It's almost it's it's it's. More impressive if you cannot curse one time for an hour straight. Yeah, try doing that. Everyone listening, try not cursing for an hour. I I would I couldn't never do it. try. Yeah. So it's it's a thing I I try working. I try doing myself when I do my interviews because when I tell my guests before we start, I give them a little spiel like, all right, look, I'll tell you what I do, what I've done, whatever, and whatever the topics might be. And I said, look, this is laid back. This isn't your typical journalistic one-on-one -on -one interview where I'm asking you these, you know, just basic Q&A. I want it to be a normal conversation. Right. And I tell them, that, and they, I've had guys or I've had people on, they're like, okay, thank God. <laughs> because it's like, this is the this is the 40th interview I've done today and yeah. like, I kind of want to answer the same fucking question. Yeah. That whole, and you were talking about like scripted podcasts. There are a lot of podcasts that we don't even realize are scripted where like, you know, they got on a screen like this, for example, in their house or whatever, they got the 13 questions they're going to ask. And there's like no flow to it. There's no, and there's no conversation. And no. I'm definitely because I do it too. Like you're definitely going to be even more heated about it when you do it. I mean, you get that. But you know, I'm a little more biased against it than probably the average person. But frankly, people can smell that bullshit. They can smell when it's like, oh, there's there's this wall there. They're not really talking. I'm I'm like fifty fifty. I do have a few questions. 
things that I, I, I that need to be in front of me so I don't forget them. Not like, like bullets, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm wh- talking about the people that are re- that like have it numbered like one to twenty, and that's the order they go in. So when someone uh, finishes yeah, no. an answer, they go to the next thing. Yeah, I do not do that. There's a lot of people that do that, dude. And and sometimes that works for them. And for personally, maybe for you and me, it doesn't. I I when I tell people like they ask me like, oh, so it's is it hard interviewing somebody of a you know if, if it's a famous person or something? I said. Um, it, yes and no. It also depends on the personality of who you're talking to. But just remember, like we've been, ta- you and I have been sitting here for four hours, and we've had a nice conversation. You don't think about it when you're talking to somebody. You don't think that you're asking a question. You're not. It just comes fluid, yeah. right? It just you're not thinking about it, and that's what I try doing, and that's what you try doing yeah. in your interviews. You just want to make it a normal conversation. And the best person to watch is Rogan. Rogan, he's the best it, ever. He's the know. pod father. He, he's he's the he is a great conversationalist. He, it's it's incredible how great he is at it. I watched many YouTube videos about like the science of how he talks to people, and mm. people might be like, "All right, it's kind of like crazy, Taylor." No, but no, like, it's it, not. It is a science of what he does and how he how he gets interviews started by compliments and, and gets them engaged early on because once you grab someone early on, you're set. Yeah. You're set. Yeah. The, the, and then I've done that. I've, I've taken that same approach for almost all my interviews I've done. And look, I'm still learning. I'm freaking, I'm 26. I'm still super young. And I'm, yeah, I got a long list. Gotten a lot better from when I first listened to your podcast a couple of years ago when I met you, like, it is – if people went back – you're on what? Episode 140-something now? Like 135 or something. Yeah. Somewhere in there, yeah. So if people went back to like number 50, they would not enjoy it nearly as much. I agree. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't as good. And, and now it, it's it's much more flow to it. Right, and that episode 50 was better than what it was oh, hell yeah. two I'm years sure ago was. when I was interviewing yeah. Yeah. ball players and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's all about – like that's one thing I learned too where I've taken that same approach from – I, I interned for the Twins in 2018. It was the best job I ever had. Mm. And it was the fucking Minnesota best. Twins. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, I got to clarify that. Sorry, mm. Minnesota Twins. Right, and I got to interview baseball players every day, and it was like a dream. And Stand up kind of interview, locker room stuff, locker, clubhouse on the field in the dugout, things I've dreamed of doing. Yeah, and one of the people that I worked with every day was like Taylor. Look, there's two things you need to take from this internship. Is one, you need to look around you. Look what you're doing and don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Like that you're doing something that everybody wants to do in our yeah. industry. And you have this for six months. You can mm-hmm. get it back once it's done. You just got to keep working hard. Another thing was, is like, just be yourself and be, and do not be the typical, you know, journalistic. That's somebody I didn't want to be. I yeah. didn't want to be the, 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 the norm. I wanted to just be, Myself, cool, calm, and collective. I come up to a guy and I just dap him up, say, hey, nice game last night. And then they'll say, hey, do you need something from me? I'm like, no, I don't. So because when I just have a normal conversation with a player, when I do need them, they'll come back to me and say, hey, I got you. It's building relationships. It's building relationships. And I, I got in trouble for being too friendly, believe it or not. What do you mean? How do you get in trouble for that? Um, somebody said you to me. You give him a rub and thug? Yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, 
I got, I got. Hey, I'm, I'm not I'm, really, I'm in, not judging you. I'm not really in trouble. They just said like, hey, you can't be doing this. They said I was being too friendly to the players. Like I wanted to be friends with them. Who said that? People of uh, power. At, at my, the Twins. Yeah. Okay. Um, and other people around me, reporters, and so got I was like, it. You, you can't mm. be doing this. Be more professional. And as the young guy, I was 22, 23, I just said, okay. And I was furious. I was so mad because, like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not like, hey, can we, let's go to the club after the game. I'm not fucking doing that. What I'm doing is I want to build relationships so when I do see them in two years, they'll fucking remember my face and my name. And guess what? A year later, I got to see the Twins again. I, I saw uh, Trevor May. I saw... Mitch Garver and Trevor Heldenberger, who was on the Twins at the time, they remember me. They came up to me. Jose yeah. Jose Barrios, who's the young ace of the, of the team, came up to me. And he's like, hey, dude, how are you? And I said, I'm great. And then I would let him go. Because it's all about building relationships. And that's why I've gotten yeah. these cool guests. With even building relationships or just like talking to one person one time. And it's just like what I tell kids is like young guys or young girls in, their, in the industry, just like, be yourself. Do not fucking fall into the trap of the old school way of reporting. Just be normal. I think that our it's a generational thing more than anything because our generations, everyone's got their their positives and their flaws. Every generation does. I think one of our positives is that for those of us that can be social, right? Because one of the downsides is some people are like, oh, some of them aren't social because they're glued to their phones and shit. But sure. those of us that actually are good with other people – we really value the relationship. We value shooting the shit with somebody. We value actually like kind of knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's funny and you don't have to put any names on it or anything like that. I don't want to put you in a corner at all. Sure. But when you mentioned like people around me, like other reporters and stuff, that didn't surprise me at all that that would happen because they're – look, it's like any other industry but it's a little special in that kind of industry. It's cutthroat as fuck. You know, it's all about who gets the interview, who gets that question, who gets that thing done, yeah. who can take credit for it. Now it's like a – it's been this way for a decade, over a decade. Now it's a tweet game. Who tweets it first? It's who the, has the first thing out? That's and so the hardest all, shit, man. All these people, they see a kid coming in and, and they know you're like an intern. You're fucking 21. And they're like, Dude. oh, this kid's beating us at our own game. Dude, I'm telling you. When I walked in, um, the in-studio host who's with the Twins, Minnesota Twins Radio, Chris Atterbury, who's a great guy. I look up to him still. He was a guy I, I didn't know even coming in. I learned a ton from him. Him and the producers kind of just threw us interns. There was another guy named Charlie who was my other intern with me. Just threw us into the fire, basically like learning how to do your reporting in a clubhouse, post-game, pre-game, um, and just like have at it and go. Mm. Not really learning much, just kind of like on the fly, which I think is the right way to do it. Fuck up in real time, so then the next time you're not going to do it. Yep. I remember one time, the very first time I walked in the clubhouse, I had the microphone with the you know the the badge on it. I had I felt like a fucking beast. I was so high. Suited up. Opening day, so I wore a suit. I had my Calvin Klein suit where I bought after graduation, my own money. I Calvin love fly Klein, shit. Calvin Klein's no joke, man. Yeah, Calvin I, Klein's got some nice suits. He's got some nice suits, and I and I was so proud of myself for being where I'm at, where I was at, and I was came in and. All these, and I became friends with uh, a few of the of reporters, you know, later down the line of the season. Mm -hmm. But you do look, I, I looked in, I'm like, I'm the youngest person here by 20 years. Yep. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. 
I think I know what I'm doing, but I don't. And um, all these people, reporters, don't have time for me. They all don't. And here's the other thing. This is just a reality. And maybe not as much for some of the TV media people or some of the people or some of the people who were there from like online media, but especially like the reporters, like the writers and stuff. Some of these guys are talented as hell, but they're in the wrong industry and they make no fucking money. And they're watching their friends one by one get fired every day because half of it's going away. And so they see this kid walk in and they're like, fuck him. You know, that's it is a it's terrible. Because I'm, I'm a young kid yeah. and I was working for the, the twins radio station, which was popular. It's a popular place to listen to the game. And it's just. It, it was extremely intimidating because you're around guys you've been watching on television for years. Was Maurer still on the Twins? That was time? his last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and like Joe Maurer, MVP, gold glove player, batting champion, legend. Yeah. And he was walking by me. And it's just like, it just, some of the times it was like, where the fuck am I right yeah. now? And early on, it was tough. Like, I remember a thing is you can't interview the starting pitcher. Um, they the day they start, it's a thing. Pre-game, you never do it, right? And I saw it's an old ritual. It's a very you can't yeah. fucking do that. And I saw someone do that. That was like a um, a veteran reporter, and he did it. And I was I saw it happen. I was like, write that down. <laughs> Don't do that. Got it. And then post game, post game, I did this. Luckily, only a couple people saw it, but I was extremely embarrassed. Um, a pitcher who only got he was only there for half the year, um, got rocked. Five innings, four innings, walked five, five earned. It was not a good start for him. And the thing is, when the game's over, the starting pitcher talks, but the whole media scrum all goes at once to talk to the starting pitcher. Now, how crazy is that? That that's like the thing. It's know, a, like it's, the scrum is still the thing. It's it will always be yeah. the thing. And how it goes is so it's at the time Fox Sports Midwest was the TV station that was broadcasting the games live on television mm. so the field reporter asked three questions first and then once she or he is done talking then the rest of us can talk me on the other hand this is like week two week one of the season i go up to the starting pitcher who just got rocked all the other reporters are off to this side waiting to go into the coach the manager's office i'm like all right i'm gonna get my questions in early whatever the guy says Wait until everyone else is here. Fuck off. And I said, okay. And some reporters heard that. Nobody said anything. Players heard that. Nobody said anything. And I have um, <coughs> I have an earpiece in my ear connected to like a like a feed. Mm. Producer. Yeah, they all Boss laughing. Yeah. In my ear. And I was like, can anybody warn me next time? And they're like, you know, that's how you got to learn. And I mm -hmm. never did it again. And I'll never do it again. Because that's the you don't fuck up twice on that. Yeah, and like that. and and the the guy there's two things that that guy's the guy, a prick by the way. Well, maybe and individuals absolutely can be. I'm mm. sure there's plenty of them. But he like did the, it numerous times, the the guys who aren't pricks, like they they know. Like oh okay, he didn't know it. Not you know what I mean. Like right. if you did it three times, like you said, then they might be like, oh, dude, yeah, get a up. fucking clue, right? Right. But there's also you're going in there and. You're trying to like feel your own way out, and yeah. at the end of the day, like they're gonna recognize that. So some right, and there is a lot of players that the ones that do. And there's a lot of players that did recognize it from both sides, the twin side or the opposing um, uh, clubhouse, which I interviewed players all over too. And and some just don't give a shit. And, and and it took me a month or so to change like the persona of like this assistant slash intern whatever look 
and I was extremely confident going into every single clubhouse, knowing that I got to get my work done, got to get the quotes in and out there quick. It's a confidence thing, though. Too. It's a confidence thing. You, you got to, you got to, you yeah. got to own it. You exactly. You got to fucking own it. You got to walk up because, into those because, like, guess you were what? born to be there. Because people can sniff it on you. Yep. That you're the young guy. Yep. You can look it, but if you can kick ass and kind of show everybody else, like, hey, I, I can get my shit done. And get it, and I can answer. I can get in the first media scrum of third or you know twenty reporters. I ask the first question, and I ask a good one. You gain respect quick. And the scrums, the scrums a little different when you're when it's like everyone else is there because you know like you're going to get one in right, and it's not he's not paying attention to you only when you ask the question. That's when he's paying attention. Then he's on to the next person. Yeah. So that one's like, I want to say a little easier once you figure out how you actually get your question in and figure out you know when to ask the right one. But when you're going and doing a stand-up interview with someone five six minutes whatever it is getting into a flow and this is the same thing you were doing at next gen getting into a flow with those people i can't imagine that because i mean you talked about it here and and doing this or like on joe rogan what, what he does the opportunity to shut the door turn on the lights put on the headphones and the world is absolutely shut out and dark behind you time doesn't exist and it's just two guys right in each other's earphones talking to each other yeah you can get this type of i wish everyone had a chance to do this you can get this type of flow and bond that kind of happens like we're already in it right mm-hmm. now where it's like oh yeah we're, we're good like well let's kind of roll with shit. it right but you know when you walk up to these guys first of all we're standing secondly it's in the locker room thirdly we got to do this every fucking day fourthly this is not this is the guy's career this is not imagine like you know you have to be interviewed every time you fucking produce something. Like, Taylor, how'd that go out there? Right. You're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm just trying to pay the goddamn bills here, right? Right. So getting into a flow with someone like that, it, it seems kind of impossible to me. But did you ever find a way to actually do that? Yeah, it took a little while because it, the players see all of us every day. So you see the recurring faces. And my plan was hopefully that I wasn't put on like as a target. Like, all right, this kid's annoying. I don't want to talk to him. So that's where I thought of. I said, look, you just go up to a guy and say, what's up? Knuckles, (laughs) say, what's up? How was your weekend? Well, not how was your weekend, but like, you know, nice game, whatever. Or you, you kind of pay attention to their social media. If they're playing, like they're playing Call of Duty the night before they posted it. So, you know, nice kill streak or something, (laughs) whatever. You just anything. You're in there taking notes on the kills. Oh, he just killed two of them. Yeah. Oh, he's up. He's up to a 1.5. Dude, I'm serious. It's any little thing that can yeah. sway them the other way. There'll be times where I'll just, I'll be done with my, my work. I'll be done. And I, what I love to do, instead of going back to the studio, I will go back to the studio, get my shit done, and then leave and go sit in the dugout, watch BP. And I'd be sitting in the dugout. And it was the coolest shit ever because guys would just sit next to me or tie their shoes or whatever and they just talk, whatever. And I, and I and as soon as I, I did it one time, I'm like, I got to keep doing this because I know I'm building relationships very slowly. Yes. But when it came down to it, like I had a – when the last game of the season was over, or it was like it was last game of the season, um, you know, you go in the morning, you get like the, some morning quotes or whatever, and a lot of the guys are just packing up. And a couple of guys, I said, like, hey, I appreciate all the help. You know, this is my – like, you know, this is my first real experience, and I really appreciate you being kind to me. And he's like, no, you were kind to all of us. A lot of us like you. You know, don't change who you are. And it was a guy who was like, you know, became who's now a starter now, full time yeah, starter yeah. for the team. Um, and he's like, dude, you did a great job. You know, a lot of these reporters are fucking annoying. Yeah, and a lot of them are good, but we like you because you're chill. 
And you still, that's the thing though, too. Like, and as you come into the industry and stuff, like there is a job to do, you know, even when you're friends with these guys, when someone's not playing well or not getting the job done, like you're required, unless you're fucking terrible, you got to report on it. I had, I had one guy, um, it was like the, the Reds were in town and this kid, Tyler Malley, who's a, I think a star, star still for the Reds, Cincinnati Reds. He shoved against the twins and he was a rookie in 2018. He, he what? Fuck, he like shoved, he like fucking mowed him down. Oh, played well. Yeah. So I'm doing baseball terms. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The, the shove was interesting. Yeah. I might him. use that. That's pretty yeah, good. He, 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 he fucked him up. Okay. Fucked the twins up. He had eight better. strikeouts, whatever. And I remember I'm in the studio and I'm talking to my producers and I'm like, all right, what am I going to ask? And then one of them was like, hey, just ask him like they're at bat. And I'm like, well, this guy struck out on four pitches and he got <laughs> fooled every time. So, and I was like, okay. And I went up and, you know, he's one of the leaders of the team and I, it was like, there was like eight of us reporters and I asked him the first question. I was like, all right, take me through your bet. And I was like, oh, so I, I was like, I think the question was like, um, phrase, how did he pitch? Like, what was his pitch mix? And was it, how, how was he different from yesterday's start? And he's like, well, he threw faster and he threw more strikes. And I, I struck out. So <laughs> and I was like, the I was, sky is up, the ground is below us and you can walk the fuck over there. Yeah, and I just like, he, and he looked at me after he was done talking because he was on a huge slump. And I was yeah. like, I just said, Thank you. I'll talk to you later. And no, I just it, dipped. I went yeah. back to the studio, and that was it. And it was like, how would it go? And I'm like, well, you can fucking listen to it. It wasn't good. I don't think we truly appreciate – I don't know if the words appreciate, but I appreciate it. How many, especially in sports, but in anything, but especially in sports, how many complete non-answer answers happen every single day? Like – I, I don't have a percentage for you, but if you held a gun to my head and said, Julian, give me a percentage of interviews where the player, coach, or fucking general manager says a whole lot of fucking nothing in a bunch of words that aren't even big words, but they yeah. make them sound like, you know, they say them really long and hard, like they sound like they're yeah. something. It's probably like 80%. I mean, it's a lot. And the guy, the poster child of that, who did a great job of that throughout his career was Jeter. Jeter said the your stereotypical one-liners – the you know it's god he said so many and he was so freaking good at it bro and, you never saw andy reed pal well yeah there's that guy too <laughs> yeah but but all these the young players for the yankees i've heard stories that they they watch jeter's post-game press yeah. conferences they they watch him talk to the media they they tell these young kids coming up watch him this is how you're supposed to talk here's how you say fucking nothing and you stick to it for 20 years saying nothing <laughs> And say the right thing all the time. And that's I, I feel bad for, for athletes because they have to be correct every time. Yeah. Voicing your opinion nowadays is taboo and yeah. it gets you in trouble. And which is on anything. On anything. And um I give players credit and athletes credit when they do voice their opinion. Yeah. Because your your uh careers at stake, your salary your any ad deals you have or you know it's all risking you're all you're risking everything to voice your opinion what do you let me ask you on that specifically because i i think this is such this is a very interesting topic because we live in very interesting times but i get so stressed out when i look at you know and you're talking about anything but i want to focus on one thing specifically i get really stressed out at the conversations that happen where people are fighting over like athletes talking politics because to me, I look at this fairly simply. Anyone who lives in this country and votes and has an opinion has a right to fucking talk and say what they – especially if it's something like near and dear to their heart. Mm -hmm. When they get aggressive about it and like fuck you if you disagree, 
Yeah, I, that's a little much for me, but it's like I kind of ignore it. Other people who may be on like the side that they're disagreeing with don't, and I get that. It's like whatever. The place where I get pissed off is when they say careless shit that's like not factual and then just keep screaming it on social so, like, media. Just saying, like speak, like you know, um, what's it called? Um, not thinking, you know, before they speak, kind of thing. Completely. But to me, like the question there, like bearing a question would be what, what are, what's your take on it? As we've seen like politics get injected into everything. And do you have a place where you draw the line or are you more somebody that's like, you know what, fucking anything goes, you know, they have a platform they can say what they want. And if they're wrong, we'll check them. I'm on that route. So you have athletes that have millions of dollars and they have, all this behind them, a giant social media following. Mm-hmm. I say it's if they're not doing it, I think they're 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 it's a disservice. Like look, like LeBron has done the right things majority of the time. Recently, what he did with his tweet, deleted it, whatever. Um, yeah, he botched that one. But and guess what? He's fucking human. It's I think human. I it's think the people and and I've talked about LeBron on this podcast because me and Miles Matthews we talked about him a bunch. And I got such an interesting relationship with him as like a as an athlete sure. in person. I think there is so much positive with him, but the negative is it just fucking pisses you off because he'll double down on shit. Like that example you're talking about the one a month ago or a month yeah. and a half ago where it was with the he tweeted out the picture of the cop, sure. which was completely wrong. My issue there was. Yeah, you can't be fucking tweeting a picture of a guy without facts when a simple Google search would have shown you the video that very clearly showed that this was the first fucking competent cop I've seen on on a bad video in a long time, you know, where something bad happened. And he took it down, but then he doubled down, and he still doubled down a few weeks ago, and it's like, dude, that's where all these people then scream, yo, fuck you, LeBron, and call him, you know, LaChina and all that shit, you know, because the whole China thing and everything. You give them gas to say that, and I can't look at them and be like, yo, you're completely wrong. I got to look at them and say, yeah, on this one, you're right. And then it creates more division to me. So that's like, that's where my line is. You know, it's just like, if you're wrong, if it's, if if, if someone walks you up to a wall, pretend this wall is white, and, Mm -hmm. and you bring Michelangelo back from the dead, and Leonardo da Vinci back from the dead, and you scientifically and artistically explain why the wall is white. The wall's white. Just say it's white. You know what I mean? And some guys, they get so dug in on stuff and then they get pissed off and you have a bunch of people in this country who then can can blanket statement generalize all of them and say, yo, no athlete should talk. No celebrity should talk, which is total bullshit, you know? But when you have all that attention and you're making a lot of fucking money, there's a level to which you have to be a little bit careful. It's It's such a weird line, right? It's like when we watch the Academy Awards- yeah, and someone wins the the best actor, and they yeah. made thirty million dollars this year, and they're telling me how to eat or yeah. telling me how to live. It's kind of hard yeah. to take you seriously. I think it's different with athletes, right? I th- I just I relate to the athlete part differently than watching um, Joaquin Phoenix telling me how to drink milk. That was one of the funniest. I, I'm you not know, lie. I, I thought that I was thought that funny. was hilarious, yeah. and guess what? Everyone else did, yeah. right? It's just it's, people go google that if you haven't seen it it is fucking pretty wild. fucking hysterical it's just yeah. weird it's like you, you, i always think for that it's like you win your award take it you say thank you to your agent thank you to whoever the, the company that produced it and put it out there if it was netflix whatever thank the other actors and go 
So you don't think on that kind of scenario, and again, th- and you're making the difference. And I want to ask about that. You're making the difference between athletes and we'll just say entertainers in this case. Yeah. But like, you don't think in that scenario, like that's a place you wouldn't. If it's like an award show, just stick with the award. I think stick with the award because I think the the athlete part people relate more. Like people look up to athletes more than actors. I would say. Do you think that? I think I think kids look up to athletes more. I than actors actually do agree with that. Yeah, because I think more kids dream about being a, a star player. basketball player yeah. than they do being the star, like actually dream about it, being the star actor, because they can't walk outside and just act, right? Whereas they can walk outside and pick up a ball and shoot it, you know? Right. And I think, and I think going back to just how these athletes have such a huge following, I think it depends on who is saying the topic. Like if it's LeBron or it's Colin Kaepernick, it's, it, they're in the right category, Right, they're talking it, and they, and and they've had. Um, I gotta be careful how I say this. Um, That's okay. Everything goes. No, I know. I'm just. I'm if just, you I'll, say something stupid, I'll check it. Don't no, worry. I'm not. I'm not saying like that. I just want. I want to. I want to phrase it right, so I'm not, I don't sound like an idiot. Okay. Um, what I'm trying to say is, is that certain athletes have a huge platform, and if they have a platform that they can project positive energy out and positive reinforcement and how to change a negative situation to a positive, they should do it. Yeah. Like what LeBron has done and what Colin Kaepernick's done. And now look, and and look, everyone deserves and is okay to make a mistake. Yes, I agree with that. Nowadays, you can't make it. You can't make a mistake because if you do, your fucking life's over. And that's a huge problem. And I don't... That's, I, and I, and I, I want to be clear. I am not... Like with the LeBron example, mm-hmm. even though that mistake was a little bigger because he docked somebody and put his picture out, which is not, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. If he had just deleted it and I, I don't even need to apologize, just be like, oh shit, you know, whatever. I'm fine. Like it, it wasn't great. Whatever. We move on. It was a tweet. But when you double down on shit, that bothers me. And like with Kaepernick, people were so shut down to what he was trying to do that then the issue got way and to his credit he got a lot more attention on it through it because the issue got way bigger because what he was doing was not wasn't a big deal you know and people there were people i guess on the opposite side of the issue who have certain beliefs who were just like no fuck that we don't want any of that in our sports and whatever and it's like well that's why it then got more rampant because people are like see you guys don't listen yeah you know you know how easy it is to just take a deep breath Mm-hmm. sit down for a second, really look into it. And then if you still don't agree with what it is, what they're projecting, then that's your opinion. But people are so quick to judge and so quick to just yes. jump on an opinion without even fucking thinking about it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, that's been the fucking as old as time, but even nowadays, they have a keyboard. It's fucking easy. Yeah. It's so fucking easy just to look into something and know what they're actually doing. People, I forget the exact stat, but just as one example, it's something like 85% of all Google searches don't go past the first result. Like it's, I'll have to check that. But either way, it's a ridiculous number. And now put that context in everything with headlines and all the information thrown at people. The one thing I will empathize with everyone on is like, Think of all the news stories every day across everything. Yeah. Whether you're a big sports fan, there's news stories across sports and mm-hmm. then the news, right? What's going on in the world? Yeah. Entertainment, whatever. 
it's all thrown at you all the time. And yeah. yet you sleep seven hours out of every 24, six, seven, whatever it is. When you wake up, it's fucking right there. Right. It's there. And then you have a life. You have a job. You may have kids. You got but shit going on. But you're still getting in the notification. Just... That's the point. How many things are you saying, yo, let me do my research on this? How much time can you say, I'm going to read past this headline? Yeah. I So we get mad at people when they jump to conclusions because they only read headlines. And like it is frustrating sometimes, especially when someone then has a really bad take on something. But I get it in the sense that there's so much shit going on during your day. How come with everything that the media all throws at people all the time, how do you expect them to sit there and be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do my homework on this? It's hard, man. There's not a lot of time in the day to, to no. read two, three articles to get a, a to get your uh, to get knowledge on a topic. Once you read a headline, look, I think we've all been we've all had it. We've all done that. Yeah, hundred percent. Or I read a headline, I sent it to somebody. I'm like, hey, did you see this? And yeah. It's like, did you read the fucking article? I'm like, well, no, I'm <laughs> I'm fucking you know driving. You know, it's just like whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So it's it's um it's just a problem, and I think I don't think it's gonna go away. I think it's gonna still progress the way it's doing right now. I think, or it could be get worse. I mean, clickbaity thumbnails are a huge thing. We all, you know, you try doing, it, I do. We all do it to get people to f just click and open up their video, or open up the, an article or a you blog. Better hope you have value behind it, you know. And that's the thing, right? You can do clickbaity shit, but if 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 there's intent, there's value, there's information to back it up, and it's there, then okay. But majority of the time, it's not. And I think that. The, the arguments or not the argument, the, the issue has quote unquote like infected a lot of it's, – it's everywhere in culture, right? And so now everyone has an opinion on it. People who have never watched a basketball game have these wild opinions of LeBron James and also happen to have wild opinions of him in the history of the NBA versus like Michael Jordan as like a comparison. And it's like we're at that point now where everyone, including your grandparents, maybe they're not on Twitter, but like – Facebook, dude, Facebook, they can send the quickest thought out. It's, it's, and it's, and that is what these, these companies feed on. You know, there was that time where when social media was born, we didn't realize it, but you know, we were the product. This, it's, we were the test dummies. Fuck you. Yeah. hundred and not even the test dummies. We, we were the end result too, because, and that's why when all this data leak stuff comes out and stuff, why are people pissed? Because that's how Facebook's making the money. They're making the money off of what we give them as people. You know? No, it's 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 crazy, and um, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's gonna get better or worse because we're just so used to it. Yeah, we're just so used to giving off of our opinion, and and you're right. There's people that don't like for like for instance, Clubhouse has been a great source for people to voice their opinion that have never talked before in front of people that like the same shit. Yeah. What what do you what do you think about where clubhouse stands right now well I'm talking about the app you nominated me i did back in, back in the day now yeah back okay. in the day right yeah, I think in january, january. Yeah, yeah end of january yeah i i love it i do and i don't um i really utilize it well um you do I agree i'm on that. it i'm on it a lot um it used to be like an unhealthy amount but now it's back to where it's like i'm productive with other shit and i can be on clubhouse whatever um the app is great you know and it's it's First got on it because I heard it on a podcast or something, and I was like, right, look, if this is like a LinkedIn thing but better, I'm going to just do it. 
get on it. You nominated me. I started talking to you and Giovanni and some of the other people that I met early on. And and then I used more for networking. I met. I was in rooms like television rooms or sports rooms mm -hmm. or um, video editing rooms, and I kind of learned some shit, took a lot of notes, and it was productive. And then I met cool people on it. It was. It's like the 2021's version of like AOL chat room. I never had an AOL like messenger, whatever it was called. Yeah, that's some that's some old school that's shit. old school shit. Yeah. But like, but you know, I've made close friends. I have a club that has over 1K followers on it, which is great. That's the MLB club. Yeah, and well, I, it's, I uh, it's like the official MLB on yeah. CH. Yeah, it's it's great. The you know, and I had um an agent yesterday and a former MLB of the year manager, AL manager of the year, Jeff Bannister, was in the room. A couple of days ago, we had a long conversation about baseball, mental health, and baseball, whatever. And 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 I have rooms, you know, twice, three times a week, um, for an hour. And I, I'm slowly getting a quick following. It's been about two months, but and I've also met friends that I've like hung out in person with. That's is, cool. I'm that meeting. I'm cool. meeting some on Sunday for brunch, and it's like this third time I've met them in person. And we do Zooms or Facetime or whatever. But it's like another friend group I have. But for the people that are listening, like. Clubhouse is a place that people have never had a voice before, that are quiet, that are nervous to talk to people. I've seen people personally that don't talk at all, can't stop talking now because it's it's behind a wall. You're not, not video. You're not seeing faces. You're just hearing people talk. I think it's great. So I think this is actually where – it gets complicated for Clubhouse because, and, and I'm glad you brought this up because I've been thinking about this app a lot and I haven't really been on it in the last couple months. Mm. And there's, I think there's a lot of issues there. And I was, I was a very big fan at the very beginning and we can get into that and, and like why I was thinking that and see where this, this whole ship's going. But the point on people who have never had a voice now have a voice on the surface. That seems amazing. Right and for and for some people it is in my opinion. I know you're going with this. Right, but there are a lot of people who now because it's behind the screen and they can go into rooms like almost like what was what was that old app where you used to go room to room and there'd be like fucking people beating off and shit, the chat roulette or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, and and that's an exaggeration, but it's almost like you can go in a room with people you don't know and like suddenly puff your chest and have a big voice, which. To me, at the beginning, I was like, I was looking at a lot of positives with that because I'm like, oh, so people have to be able to talk. So all these people who are fucking body bagging people from behind a keyboard on Twitter, if they talk like this, uh -huh, fuck you, man. Like people are going to be like, get the fuck out of here, you know, whereas the, the people who actually can state an opinion and, and have evidence and be able to yeah. go back and forth and converse, they're going to win. The people that aren't talkative though that get talkative on there and this is why this is this was the important point a lot of them are people who are just like suddenly taking advantage of the fact that they don't know anyone in there and they they get all excited and they're like oh i can say whatever the fuck i want so it kind of went the opposite way of what i thought and we're seeing a lot of rooms that invaded the app i started to notice it in like mid-february where it was just grifter fucking city and at the beginning of the app the reason i liked it is because I had a community of about 10 guys who were like my guys, like I knew them, right? And, and we were all going back and forth on stuff and we all had different connections so we could, we could have interesting conversations on there and our rooms were amazing. And then some rooms I would go into, this is earlier on in the app, maybe yeah. like January, 
they would be really impressive. And to your point, you get some really interesting people in there. But you started to see where, and you can see it in the numbers, when the numbers spiked in like February with 10 million downloads in a month, you started to see all these people come in and then the rooms got so big and then they got, you know, they even like got politicized in some ways. I don't even want to say that. They've just got like crazy in some of them. And then it, it got to a point where you had, you know, you had to like ask permission to speak in rooms and say your name at the end of it. And it was so unnatural. And I started saying to myself, you know, the thing I had been so afraid of was that the LinkedIn mafia and Grifter City was going to invade this app and make it difficult to go room to room and find real shit. And that is exactly what happened because the difference between like Twitter and Clubhouse is that on Twitter, you can scroll quickly and get a feel, get keywords and get a feel for, oh no, I don't fuck with that. Oh, I fuck with this. Okay. I want to type in this word, whatever. On Clubhouse, you can only see the name of a room, which that's never the only thing they talk about, whatever it is. Right. And you have to go in there and invest for a couple minutes and listen to whether these people suck or if it's like something worthwhile. And so I got to a point in March where I started going room to room. Like when I'd hop around, I'm like, well, this sucks. This sucks. Oh, that guy's a fucking dickbag. And then you'd see people that are, you know, they get on their high horse and they start kicking people out of rooms who disagree with them. And I started to go, oh, shit. <laughs> and then a friend of mine sent me a tweet that then went viral. He sent it to me like three minutes before the guy ho posted it. But it was this, I forget the guy's name. I think he co-hosts a podcast with Chamath palapataya i never say his name right so i hope i got that right and it was like the famous vc guy who worked at who's that he was that sure. at facebook growth for a long time and it was this it became a very famous thread he wrote it on march 16th i believe and he said not that i want this to happen because i like seeing companies succeed but i've been getting a feeling that clubhouse is going to fail and if it does here's my theory on how it's going to happen and he wrote like 45 tweets as like a it was like a story like a narration and I read through it, and I texted my buddy who sent it to me back, and I'm like, oh boy. Bill, I, I don't know that I can argue with anything he said. I think he's kind of right. And he's like, bro, I think he's going to be right. And now we've seen the numbers, like April took a swan dive, May's not looking good, and you're seeing these rooms that used to have 5,000 people in them. When I go on the app and check it, they have fucking 100 now. Yeah, it's become... I'll definitely say that the hype, the excitement has gone away. Yeah. Because you have this brand new thing. Nobody knows. Everyone's new, right? It's like it's like going to college freshman year. You can start over. You can be a new person. You can start mm. here on a new social media platform. Yep. Everyone's at zero at the same time. You know, yeah. technically. Technically, yes. And um, I can definitely say the excitement isn't there as much as it used to be. Where I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go in Clubhouse and be on to like 2 a.m. and talk sports or talk tech or talk media, whatever. Um, there's a the word expert has been thrown around a lot, oh, yeah. And it's like a that word has been circulating around Clubhouse for months now. Where it's like you can't call yourself an expert if you don't have any credentials, if you don't have anything to back up what you're saying. Like, look. I can – if a fucking therapist is on Clubhouse with all her degrees in her bio and then there's evidence to show, she has the right to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. You hope. And you hope that's accurate. That's right. another point. But yes. I can't give fucking advice on how to live your life mm. 
when you have all these different issues and I'm telling you, hey, look, fuck all that shit. Do this, this, and this. I don't have the right to do that. No. And that is scary. And when I've seen that. And I've people have been called out and people have been thrown into the fire, if you will, in front of hundreds of people. So mm-hmm. you can't fucking do this. And there's a lot of scammers on there, people that are trying to Time, sell them. You know, they're trying to be, what's his name? The guy who looks like an Easter Island head. Fucking, um, um, <laughs> a what head? One of those Eastern Island heads. The fucking, um, he's like a motivational speaker. Um, big teeth. What's his name? Um, David Meltzer? No, not Meltzer. I know who that is. Um, big guy. He's huge. Billions of dollars. Um, think of motivational speakers. I don't I'm know. I'm like, forget. I'm I like, I'm a ton of, not I, Grant Cardone. No, no, people don't like him. Yeah. At all. Yeah. No. He says the same shit over and over again. Over and over again. He's terrible on the app. People yeah. fucking hate that guy. Yeah. I'm like trying to think of the guy's name. He's like the biggest motivational speaker on the planet. What? Some dude. Some guy. I'm like forgetting his name. Either Look, way. Okay. Whatever. People will try to be, they're trying to be this motivational speaker or this. Including like 20 year olds. Which pissed yeah. me the fuck off, man. I'm like, when I'm listening to a 22 year old telling me how to live my life motherfucker you don't know shit you don't know anything you don't know anything you're you're you just graduated college and you think you got all figured out everyone watched gary v videos and this is the downside of i it love gary thought, v thought that but that's the thing his context he's made he's made a lot of people think some things about themselves or capabilities about themselves or not even capabilities like things where they are meant to be he makes it seem like oh you can totally be there and it's like well not everyone not maybe not everyone's gonna be that type of guy and then all these people hear it and what happens is they get so excited by it and they feel the motivation so then they just want to pass that on to other people and then you know they're fucking 21 with no experience you know sitting in their parents house and and talking about how when it gets hard you just got to push through, go to the next level. And it's like, you're also not very convincing doing it. You right. know? But I mean, like I, I like Gary Vee. I've listened to his stuff. I've, um, do I believe everything that he always says? No, but not, you're not talking about Tony Robbins, by the way. I right? am talking about Tony Robbins. It was Tony Robbins. He, yeah. what did you say? He is an Easter Island head. Yeah. He's just, his head's fucking huge. Am I wrong? What's he's got a huge head, but what's an Easter like, Island head? Is, like, isn't Easter Island one of those, like the giant, like, like, um, sculptures or like those huge sculptures. I have no idea, but he just looks fucking. He's gotta, everybody wants to be like Tony yeah. Robbins on Clubhouse. You know what Dang, I think, dude. Fucking you know took what? I, fucking fifteen minutes to figure out the fucking name. <laughs> you know what I think was one of the biggest mistakes they made. It was one I saw right away, and I didn't think much of it. I'm like, ah, it's, it won't matter that much. They allowed the profiles to be like five thousand characters fucking, instead of look at mine. Instead of instead, and 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 yours is long, but. Not in the context of this app. There are like yours is way longer than I would do, but it's like it's all in one spot, right? And so what happens is everyone LinkedIn, like the LinkedIn mafia came in and people followed that. And what they do is, you know, you could be a fucking janitor and they will make it sound like they they founded the 33rd fucking basketball team in the NBA. I mean, it's like, and then I did this and it's like, oh my God. And, And there was, there were funny threads going around in February that I loved. That was like Elon. It would be like famous people, Elon Musk, you know, Bill Gates, whatever. And and then it would say Elon Musk 
Elon Musk on Clubhouse. And like it would have, the first one would be like Elon Musk, like Dogecoin to the moon, because like that's just what he would put in there, or like hashtag Bitcoin. Too soon with that. But the second one would be Elon Musk, and it would list all the shit he did and try to make it sound like prose. And you're reading it and you're like, oh my God, that's what people do. Because you would read that, you'd be like, this guy doesn't fucking do any of this. Yeah. You know, you know what? The excitement came from the fact that me, you, and a bunch of other people are starting at the same time as Elon Musk or as Tim Dillon or as, you know, Lex Friedman. Right. We're all there at the same time and we're all trying to figure out together. It's not like, you know, we're all like, imagine we, I mean, I know I wasn't like, imagine if I jumped on Twitter when Twitter first came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's an excitement where an app that's become, it, it's what are they worth? Four billion dollars now, Clubhouse. They're the guy evaluated. Well, they were. Billion. They're not worth anywhere near that now. Whatever it is. Yeah. But the excitement for that, I was like, dude. I tried tried convincing my friends. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Something- I started to notice that too because then, like, as it got more, as more people used it, you know, the funny thing is, they locked it off. You had to get invited. But still, it was almost like people joined too fast and there was too many new people every day. And so you couldn't keep up with it in the sense that they're learning rooms and then they're like invading rooms too because they don't know what to do. And there's this – I started to feel it. It's, and, like, and, it's like we got off the training wheels way too fast. Yes, and and you just said something important there where you're like you know, being first to something and how cool that is. One of the things that I also discounted at the beginning, because again, like, and maybe part of it was it was coming out still like mid pandemic and people were just dying to fucking talk to each other. But I wasn't. I do this for a living, right? I talk to people all day. Like, you know, like when I'm not editing, I'm fucking on the phone with people or I'm sitting in here for hours with people. So it's not like I was craving that at all, but I just thought it was fucking cool. And I'm like, oh, and a lot of people are probably craving this. But I've always looked at, like my theory, and it's not my theory. This is definitely like a known thing, but it's it's pretty obvious. When you look at every social platform that's ever grown, I'll even start at MySpace, but you know what? Discount them. Call it Facebook, right? Like mm-hmm. one that's still around. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even kind of YouTube back in the day, right? Different, not totally social, but you, you'll get where I'm going with this. And then think about, I guess go to like TikTok, Snapchat. All these platforms were started as as in not necessarily started, but the people who went there in mass first were between the ages of 12 and 18. And I would even say that like 15 to 17 year old range culture goes where the people who are literally at the earliest stages of coming of age go. And the one thing Clubhouse didn't have that I thought, man, that's cool. It's an outlier. And now I look back and I go, no, it wasn't. That's why. Is that they didn't really have a ton of really young people on there. The people who were stars on the app were fucking millennials or even like some Gen Xers. And that it, – it's more proof that when you need the luster on the app, you got to get the kids first, even if that means people make fun of it, like with TikTok. I was on TikTok on a blank account because I worked at a fucking bank. I couldn't do anything on TikTok. I was on TikTok in early 2019. And I tried to tell everyone I fucking know who had a talent about it and say, drop everything you're doing and go to TikTok. And they all laughed at me. Said, oh, that's all for the fucking 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. And I'm like, you say that now. That's where people are going to be. I never had that moment with Clubhouse because they weren't fucking there. It was the older yeah, people. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And it's um, and it's so weird because they just 
I don't know if it's still, but the invite only thing was very interesting. Yeah. Where you could only get on the app if someone invited you, if yep. nominated you to come. And they just invited Android now. They have their infrastructure is strong enough for the most part that they can have. They were Android. iPhone only. iPhone only. And yeah. it would now, I mean, Android's fucking huge. Yeah. People don't realize because everybody has an iPhone, but you have a, everyone on the other side of the world, there's billions of people and they, mm-hmm. a lot of them have Android. And I, that's a huge chunk that's not on the app. Now, and, and I have this talk with my friends all the time. And right, we got on mid-pandemic, end of January. Things are still shut down. And we were also, remember, this is important. We were curating our rooms. Like, we had good rooms of, these weren't the huge rooms of, like, 500 people. 15. Yes. Small. Yes. And what was interesting is that now I talk to friends now where I'm in rooms all the time with the same people. And Mm -hmm. we have a clique, a cool group of friends. And we talk offline. And we always say, like, hey, so is this going to be big in the summer? Where this was, this was like April. We we're talking about this. Yeah, March. Talking about, hey, look, vaccines are starting to come out. While vaccines come out, people get vaccinated. Of course, the restrictions will get you know lighter and lighter. Sure. So it's like, is this the, is this app still going to be popping and still going to be excited to be on in the middle of July? And I was on the optimistic, positive side. Like, yeah, it's still going to be good. It's still going to be exciting and. I had some friends say, hey, I think I think it's going to be extremely different than it was before. And now I kind of agree with them. Yeah. It's it, people I don't I don't want to be on my phone while I'm at a bar in the city. I and just, you can't click in and click out. You can click in and click out of Instagram and Twitter. Two seconds, right? You can't really do that on Clubhouse. There's like you, a, you can you can if you're just sitting in the audience. If you're just sitting there listening, you can just click out easy. But but like. Don't you want to talk about the topic you're you're in the room for? And also, you're around what happens when you're around other people. You're going to be sitting there in the middle of a bar listening to fucking Clubhouse? No, you're not. People will fucking smack you over and say, like, yeah. get off your phone. Whereas, whereas you can send a quick tweet at the bar. And then close your phone. Exactly. Your right. Boom. It's like you're sending a text. Look, I'm always positive with shit like this. I want to I want to be on the right side. I, I, don't, I don't want to really think about the real thing that's going to happen. Like, I think Clubhouse is going to be around for a while. I just don't think it's going to be popular in the next year or two. I just, I just don't see. And unless, then how I'm, does it I'm, have staying power? Because un- now, unless, unless Twitter figured it out, Twitter's got spaces, right? But it's all, it's all about advertising and getting. And look, the NFL just partnered with Clubhouse recently. You know what, though the other pro- about, the other problem that. was shitting where you eat, and th- this this was an issue. One of the things I liked about it is that the founders. Paul and Rohan mm. would be in a lot of the big rooms mm. and they wouldn't be on stage most of the time. They'd be right because there. Because as soon as they go on stage, the room blows up to 7,000 people. Well, not even just that. They'd be, I'm talking about rooms that were already big, right? Like right. It, when there was the max at 5,000. They'd be right there right in the audience, right at the top, listening in. And even when people were criticizing things on the app, they were listening. And I'm like, wow, these guys are like really in there. The people who invested in the company though, Andreessen Horowitz, which is an amazing venture capital firm. I mean, it's one of the most historical ones out there. They started becoming stars on the app. Like they had the Good Time show and everything. And then they had Elon Musk come in there one time. They had Mark Zuckerberg another time. And I started to notice that these people, 
these are people who are great venture capitalists, but they never had a podcast or something like that. Like that wasn't their lane. And now, now they were incentivized to also be on the app all the time because they were invested in the goddamn company. And they were kind of like getting high on their own supply and not noticing some of the very problems that were happening. Prime example, by the way, um, what's his name? Horowitz's wife, Felicia Horowitz, ended up being like a mate. She was there day one of the app, obviously. She ended up being like a major host on the app for like a, a couple weekly shows that would have 5,000 and then eventually whatever the maximum was, 10,000 people in the room and like serious people that she was interviewing. They would put like Gail uh, – what's her name? Gail uh, – Gail King. Yeah, Gail King, Van Jones, like some big people. They would put them up on stage with Felicia for these rooms, and they'd sit there and not say anything. And Felicia, who's not a pro like them, like not on that level at all, right. is, is fucking running the room. And sometimes it was awkward. And I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck do you – like you're bringing up Gail King, to, and Gail's probably fucking you know, going about her day and just is doing them a favor to sit on stage and have her face up there. And wh why are you not leveraging that? Leverage the talent. And there was such a mistake with that because then, you know, even the Good Time show had the people literally from Andreessen Horowitz hosting it. And I'm like, they're not like that good at this, you know? And yeah, so there was a mistake. There. There's an ego thing too, right? Yeah. So, but like, I, I think I think the app needs to, like, of course, the purity of it is that there's no video and there's no chat rooms. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about back channeling. You go to Instagram, Twitter if you want to get extensive conversation, right? making deals or making communications or whatever. But um, I'm going to continue to be on it as much as I can. You're using it well, I might add, and I'm not just plugging you here. Like, you know, you got out in front of being like in charge of the official MLB page, which is pretty cool. And what's funny, curating the, the, great rooms. Yeah, there's a lot of other baseball rooms and I have people coming in and, you know, I let them do it, but they plug their own clubs and whatever. But, you know, it's like, the baseball community is pretty small on Clubhouse, and I, 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 there's like this Clubhouse Twitter page, not the main one, but there's another one for like statistics, and I'm ranked in the top ten baseball rooms every month yeah. so far. Yeah. I'm like eighth or ninth, but it's kind of annoying that the other seven or eight uh, clubs that are in front of me are categorized in baseball because they generally talk about all sports. So it's just like yeah. it's just in that category, yeah. which is annoying. If you took those people away, if it was just talk about general baseball, I'd probably be one or two when it comes to followers and yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, did I do it because I'm trying to grow my own following? Absolutely. I'm trying to grow myself and show people that I have, you know, I have knowledge, I have talent, I have experience talking about baseball. That's what's my number one sport. I played in college. I played my whole life. I've covered it before. And I'm also trying to make, you know, I'm trying to make contacts. I'm trying to bring some people that I know onto the app so I can interview them on the app yeah. and kind of help the baseball community. The, the head of sports, I think it is, on Clubhouse, just followed the club the other day. Oh, that's cool. Which is big. Hmm. I got very nervous at, right away when I created it because it's MLB. You know, IP is very important. You don't yeah. want it. And I remember when in the beginning, you could only have a club. You could request for a club, but you needed to host rooms yes. three times a week yes. for three or four weeks. And then they review your request and they see through information of how many rooms you've hosted or whatever. And then they approve, approve it. And I didn't even do that because I wasn't hosting rooms that often. 
So I waited until Clubhouse let the floodgates open yes. where it was you can have do you can create two rooms a month. And I remember I was working at WFAN late shift, like I always do, and I stayed later so I know so I had the ability to create the club as soon as the update came out. Yeah. I waited an extra hour. So I don't want to be driving on you know, over the bridge and it fucking opens up and I'm going to get in the car accident because I'm putting yeah. this shit together. Yeah. So I made it and I was so smart, excited. by the way. Right. Very smart. Thank you. I, I was so excited. MLB on CH because you actually couldn't book Clubhouse in the title. For some reason, you couldn't have it. So I did that. And then I made the second room as like a backup because I don't know if like they would kick it off because it has MLB on it. But as of right now, it's been great. Nothing's happened. And I remember that night was so hectic because people, you know, Fuck, the app was crashing because everyone was trying to create a club. And I got in quickly, and then I went into a room with an IP lawyer in it. <laughs> and there was 400 people in it. Yeah, Some people I knew that were moderators on the stage brought me up because they knew I was creating a room, a club. And I asked the question. And I, the, the topic came up about, like, brands. Yeah. I said, they're like, you know, if you get lucky, you can have, a, you know, have your own room, you know, whatever the company is. And I said that on stage, it was the first room I went into. The second room I went in was an IP lawyer. The first room I went in was a bunch of people that had huge followings, 10,000, 12,000, 20,000 followers. And I said that I just created a baseball room called MLB on CH. And they all started laughing because they said, Taylor, you might have hit a gold mine. <laughs> because there's, there's situations where, well, look. It's SEO City. Run, one. MLB can come to me and say, like, we want this, we'll buy it from you. Whatever. Odds of it happening, super slim. Yeah. Two, <clears throat> MLB can come to me and say, we want to partner with you. You host rooms, we'll pay you. It's a job. Three, fuck you, we're taking it. I get, And that's where the IP thing comes right. in. Right. And yeah. then I, I got super excited, and then I got nervous, and then I saw this IP room. And I'm on the I'm on the way home, and I'm <laughs> listening to Clubhouse, and I have, like, my, ear, my uh, AirPods in. And I asked the question... And she basically told me they can just take it from you because this is Major League Baseball, billion-dollar company. Yeah. Where they're not going to fuck around. Yeah, you have, you have a whole legal team ready to fight that bad boy? <laughs> yeah, I got a whole fucking yeah. – fucking yeah. 20 people behind me. You got like 12 of the boys from Long Island lined up with bats <laughs> and everything. Yeah, and then when she said it, I was I left the room and I started sweating. I'm like, oh, fuck. And Nothing then, would happen to you. They just take it. They'll but, just take yeah. it, but I don't want it. I want yeah. I want to have it. Yeah. And then I you know, you put disclaimers out, so this is a fan page, we're not affiliated, whatever. So I did my due diligence. I did my, my homework. I asked people that have been in situations in your past on Facebook or Instagram and they'd say like, you know, you're fine as yeah. long as no one comes after you. <laughs> I said, Well, thank you. <laughs> what for does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck does that mean? Come out bash my fucking door in. But look, I, look, it, it, the grand scheme of things like, I want to grow baseball on the app. I want to grow it. I want to grow sports on the app because I want to just Become the guy that people come to. Like, well, are you looking? The other thing is, like, you are building. You have built a community there. You have built a name there. Yeah. People have effectively moved that to spaces as, like, you know, you don't have to leave Twitter to do it. Have you looked at also doing that over there? I've looked at it. I haven't because which it's fucking crazy. You I've, should do that. I've gained more followers on Clubhouse since January to now. I have more followers on Clubhouse than I do on Twitter, and I've had Twitter for. Fuck Twitter's me. weird getting followers, man. I keep, I don't so even, I never hard. even, I never it's even so talk hard. about People my Twitter. People don't understand. Ever. If you were trying to get into the sports media space or entertainment or whatever you're trying to do in, in that realm, it is so hard to get a following. 
you have to be funny on Twitter. You have to be creative. You have to throw memes and you videos. You have to be on there 24-7. And I am. And it's annoying. But I hate it. you have to be incredibly strategic on there 24-7. And, like, you're on it. But, like, you're doing a lot of other shit, too. Because you run all your own shit. You are responsible for your entire product. There's a level to which, like, based on the work you do mm-hmm. and how you're building, you can't do what some of these other guys did where they just sit there all fucking day like prime example the pomp's younger brother i think it's joe right he's got a sports newsletter he does two things all day nothing else he does fucking making his newsletter which how's he making his newsletter he's amalgamating things off of twitter that's his news source and then also interacting on there and he's spending his every waking second on twitter and putting out value there 24 7 creating threads that are very retweet retweetable because they're on specific things that he does research on so he's built a huge following that's how you do it. Like, you know, if you wanted to break down and do something like that, great. But like, I love Twitter and I'm a writing guy, so I can write some great tweets and whatever. But Twitter's like my private diary in a way right now. Like, I don't fucking, you know, I got 10 fucking people on there. And like, I go there as my source for news and I don't, it is not worth my time to invest in actually doing that stuff. But I think with spaces, this is yeah. why it's important. I think you can drive there because you have the credibility of that other community. And frankly, we are seeing a big, whether or not Clubhouse ends up staying around or not, like they'll definitely make something off their IP if they sell it. But we're seeing a big community move to Twitter. Yeah. And I think, I think what Clubhouse, I think, I think they're going to do where I think the purity will go away of how unique Clubhouse is. They're going to start bringing in celebrities and bringing in names. They already have. Right. But I'm saying like, I'm talking the biggest fucking names, like yeah. the Kardashians. They brought or, in Eminem the other day. Yeah, right. So they they have they have you know there's people that are willing to go on. Like there was Tim Dillon who was on it for a while, and then and he's out, man. He's, done. he's fucking doing his job now. He, uh, this, he, this, this, he, this, is what, this is what we're talking about. He's back on the road doing his his gigs. But he also, and that's the issue. Guys who were a big fan of it are speaking out against it. He's going out of his way to say this app is fucking terrible. That's a problem. That's a brand right. problem. And you got they got to just find the right people. Yeah, and that's it. And look, it's it's uh for young people like you, you and I who are trying to grow personal brands and content grand brands. The personal it, brand. Yeah, personal brand. Right. Yeah. It's fucking hard. People yeah. people don't really get it when when you're when you want to be in the sports industry. They don't get how hard it is. They just talking to yeah. friends and they say, "Hey, look, you're doing a good job. You're grinding." But like you know, why have lives, man? Why, why don't you come out this weekend? Yeah. No, but like you, you don't. Yep. You don't get it. Like family. They just they'll say like you know we get it, but do you though? This is with and and, and like you talk about sports and you're 100 percent right, but it's with anything that you're building. If once you go do it, when you burn the boats and say like I'm putting all my efforts into this, I mean everything in the pot. You know, for you, I know you spend a 100 percent of your time is spent filling gigs at, at WFAN. For you to make some money, right? And also, you're at one of the granddaddies of them all. You know, you're at WFAN, so it's nice. You get good connections there. And the rest of your time is spent on your product and spent on building yourself out as a preeminent leader. In you want to be a leader in the baseball space specifically, but you obviously know about all the sports, and mm-hmm. you can definitely, if you want to, morph into all of them. Sure. People that don't 
have that as their vision. People who don't miss their brother Jake's graduation again. Fuck you, Jake, on a Sunday to go do Love some. You. To yeah. go, I, I don't mean it, Jake. Yeah, I'm sure no, you're a nice guy. Okay. You know, your brother loves you too. I promise you. But you know, people who are willing to do that to go be like, yo, okay, here's the value I can get to be able to continue to build my public resume, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and also get the reps in and everything. The people who aren't doing that shit, they're never going to get it. And like you have to, but that's the thing. You got to be okay with that. You have to be okay with like someone just being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like someone you care about, they don't mean anything by it. They're just like, what are you doing? And you got to be okay with saying, listen, man, like it is what it is. You know? See, this is something I tell, uh, I learned, I'm very lucky I learned this early on. I learned early on a couple things. If you want to be in the business for a long time, early on, you need to learn how to do everything. Yes. Another thing is, if you want to be successful in the business, you have to be willing to not make any money. For a while. For a long time. Yep. Another thing is, you need to just be able to fucking grind and be able to be okay with missing things. And and also- In life. In life. Yeah. yeah. Missing birthdays, holidays, anniversary, whatever the fuck it is. Anything that's important to you, mm-hmm. you're going to miss it. I haven't been to a family Passover in six years because I've worked. Yeah. It's it's just a, a Christmas Eve. I work Christmas Eve. It's just like you got you to gotta just – if you want to fucking – Oh, yeah. You got both worlds. I forgot about that. If you, you, right. If you want to hit your goal – like I've had goals. I remember I wanted to do this for a living when I was in like ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Guidance counselor asked me, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in college? What do you want to do in high school? Focus on I said, I want to – I can't play baseball for the Yankees. So I want to interview players. Mm. This is what I want to do. It's going to take me a long time to hit the goal. I remember when I was younger, I said 27. I want to be making six figures, and I want to be making – I want to do my thing. Ain't well, it funny how we picked that out when we are young? Like, that age, I'll have this, I'll have that. <clears throat> Bro, people thought I was fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm, people were tr- – guys, my friends were just trying to get girls at fucking, you know, in college. I'm working on my career. Like, I'm yeah. working on trying to get my shit together. And I had goals set, like, I wanted to work for some – sports team at 21 i did it at 20 well you did do that yeah i did it at 20 yeah. i said i want to work for a major league baseball team at 25 i did it at 23 mm-hmm. i want to work for a radio station at i think it was like 26 and i did it at 24 yeah so i'm hitting all these goals and now i'm in a window where i've been working at wfan do i like the job title i have no but i know it's a part of the gig you need to fucking just keep working i have a lot of friends around me that work there that just keep grinding yeah. we're all in it together and I've had people, I've met countless amount, of, countless people yep. that talk, but they don't walk it. They mm-hmm. don't fucking do it. They just talk about doing it and they just don't and they quit. Well, there's another side to it too that's really important <coughs> that you're not saying that I think you, you back up well. You can't like, yes, you absolutely must do all that stuff and you absolutely must accept some things and be okay with it and grind and stuff. You also have to be making clear progress. You had like you pointing out each of those steps that you wanted, even if there wasn't a month, you know, monetary stuff attached to it yet. Yeah. Like you hit those progress points. You got to those things. There are a lot of people and this is where I think, and I don't think it's his intention, but this is where Gary V's message gets lost because people get lost in listening to him just say, you just got grind man you gotta hustle you got do you understand that i didn't fuck until i was 35 like people hear this and they're like oh that's all i gotta do not fuck till i'm 35 and just do something and like it'll work 
you have to be honest about where your talent is, number mm -hmm. one, and you also have to be honest about what type of progress you are making. If you are just working hard every day and not getting anywhere, it's not going to fucking go anywhere, and it shouldn't. And unfortunately, and I, I empathize so much with people like that because I see guys who are just fucking grinding, and they're not getting anywhere. They're not making progress, and they're like, oh, if I just keep fucking doing it, like, it'll be cool. And it's like, oh, damn, like, they actually are working hard, but they're not working hard towards something, and they're not going to get rewarded you gotta be really fucking careful with that and so and like guess what I, kudos I, to you for being careful with that well but i'm i'm i've had stages like that let's i won't I'm, i won't i won't sure, lie here sure where i've been in stages where and, and let's be clear everybody i'm 26 still grinding i might have worked for the giants the, the new york giants minnesota twins i worked for wfan i've done radio here and there i've done this much and i know that He's holding, for the people listening, he's holding up his fingers. Yes, thank very you. Very tightly so, together. Yes. I've done very small amount of things. And to some people that are outside of sports think I've done so much. And I, I might not give myself credit, but like I, I have nowhere near where my goal is. I think that's a good, I think you have a good mindset. I do want you to give yourself some credit, but I, I think you have and, a good and, mindset. And you, my father gives me a lot of shit. For not giving myself credit for the shit I've done, like I, I, yeah. I, you know, and I don't, I don't, I've was raised not to be a bragging asshole, yeah. be very humble. But I've almost taken that that humble approach too far, mm. where I'm not telling people, hey, look, like when I apply for jobs and I do, where I'm talking to people in the industry that have a higher power, and I'm not. There's been in the past, I've never like. Yeah, it's, I know what you're saying. I, I just because because I you yeah. I I've met people that brag about shit that I'm like you're impressed by that shit like yeah. that shit's not great. There's a fine line between bragging and also what you say earlier owning it, right? It's the it's there's a very fine line, and, and I've you done, have to own. And, in the last it. year and a year or so, I've done a lot better about promoting myself instead of bragging. Yeah, like I I tell people i interviewed mike trout which is the one of the coolest things i'll ever do yeah it's a resume builder man it's a it's, it's one a of greatest name. players of all time yeah it's a name and the fact that i got to do that for three minutes is something that 90 percent of the world is never gonna be able to do a lot, lot more than 90 percent, <laughs> but yeah whatever you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes I know. not a lot of people will ever do that yeah. and i got to do that at 23 years old which was some of the coolest shit i'll ever do yeah um but yeah so i i feel like when you said about guys that are working hard and grinding but nothing's happening i i and like i said before i've been in situations and sometimes during the last year or so i've been in situations like that where i've worked my ass off and i just don't see anything moving and i and i people tell me and have to keep reminding me that like the sports industry is in a frozen zone what do you mean a frozen zone where uh, that's kind of like a term i've heard a couple times from people that are in the industry where it's like they're starting to rehire people that they fired a year ago, and nobody's hiring. Nobody's giving anybody jobs. It's very small amount. People are getting jobs. Why is that? The sports industry got hit pretty hard. Oh, in, yeah. In television. Oh, and, yeah. And rating entertainment. They got hit very hard, and, and, and some people don't like so They're not creating account. new jobs, you're saying? Um, some networks are creating new jobs, and some people that are talented enough, more talented than me, are getting jobs. And it's about find it's it's about what I've learned too about this industry is it's about timing and it's about who you know and the and that's really that's yeah. not just sports and entertainment yeah, that's everything, but just in my experience it's what I've learned so, last year or two just really hitting hard yeah. and 
Um, there's been so many times over the last three years where I've felt like quitting. Like all the time. But I tell myself, there's like something in the back of my mind that tells me that you're talented enough and don't quit. And I, I don't want to sound like an inspirational, motivational speaker. I know this, what you're saying right this now. Is this is my own personal okay. account yeah. where I'd be driving home from work at two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this fucking sucks. I hate this shit. I hate I'm making no money. I'm still living at home. I'm working my ass off. Nothing. What's, and then there's always one moment mm. that like the week after something cool would happen where I'll interview someone for my podcast where it's like, I just interviewed Scott Hansen who hosts the NFL red zone, or I interview Chris Rose or I interview Craig Carton, or I interview this person or I talk to somebody and it just, it tells me like, Hey, look, this is what you can do for the rest of your career. If you keep pushing. And that's where you, that someone told me that early on when I was really young, you'll find moments in your, your early career that would keep, will keep pushing you. Yeah. You, you get a little, you get a, a little, little teeny taste, a tiny and taste. Like, and you're I like, I want to make that whole, it's like, it's like, it's right there. I'm mm -hmm. right there. And I've been telling myself the, during the pandemic, I said, Taylor, you're going to just, you keep doing what you've been doing. Keep going a little bit harder every day. There's going to be days where you're going to have to have no confidence. You're going to have no ambition to do it. And there's going to be other days you're going to have the hardest drive ever to get your work done. And I tell myself, and I'm serious about this, and people think I'm crazy. Like I think I'm so close to, to starting my goal. And then once the goal is when I, when I touch it, when I, when I first start the goal, that I, my job, whatever it's going to be, I tell somebody, I say, look, once you give me a yes, watch the fuck out. Yeah. Because I want to give you 110%. I'm going to give you a good product, whatever it's going to be. If it's, yeah. And, 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 and you, and by the way, and I said this earlier, but you can say that a lot more than you could have two years ago. A lot more. Yeah. Because the resume, more product the, out. it's not even just more product. It's better. It's significantly better because you got the reps you're and you've gotten to better and better people as well you're not i mean obviously like you have a decent audience on audio but you know you haven't even focused on youtube or something like that at all right you're not even there yet but you're actually you are talking with some of these important people and you're keeping conversations rolling and interesting and getting things that they don't get to say on their own cameras in life right like when it's a scott hansen or something yeah, he well, is talking right. about things he doesn't get like he, the producer's going to be like yo scott cut what what are you doing like if there's some of the things that come up in your conversation. And so when people see that in the new world where they're trying to figure out what are we doing next, right? Like who are we going to hire? Who's up and coming or whatever? They're like, oh, this kid. Oh, he gets it. Oh, yeah. fuck it. Yeah, come on. You and, know and, what I mean? Yeah, and I've also just learned early on. It's, it's about like put as much shit out there as much. And one, one thing I do if appreciate. It's, if it's good. I, I do appreciate this from Gary Vee. And I, and I take this a lot, honestly. Put out as much content as you want, right? As you keep going, it's going to get better, hopefully. As you get more reps in, you get better and better. But the thing he said was, is that don't look at the views. Do not look at the numbers because all you need is one person to look at the talent that's there, that, that they can see that, hey, look, he's got, yeah. He, for instance, baseball perspective here. He's 18 years old, prospect in the minor leagues. He's got a couple nice tools right there. He can hit for power, but he's striking out a lot. But we see that we can improve on him. We, yeah. can, we can work with him. Get a little T work, a couple extra shifts in the batting cage. 
but we'll take a chance on him. Yep. That's what happens a lot. But as of late with the pandemic, you don't see it as much. People aren't really taking gambles on people. They want to see people that are ready you know what? to fucking I, go. And you know what? Maybe it's exacerbated a little bit with the pandemic because people have been spread apart, right? And you're just trying to go what you know. I'll agree with that. I think it's exacerbated. But that's a pattern. Before the pandemic, that's already a pattern because – and we were at some point going over like the corporate mindset of these networks and what keeps them behind in it. They can't take chances because they report to a guy who reports to a guy who reports to a girl and has a fucking quarterly statement to go out for the mothership company who's going to have one asshole executive be like, wait, why did we not hit that number on that page right there this month? Who's responsible? And someone gets fired. When you are operating like that, you cannot get to that authenticity. You cannot have a world where you can say, you know what? We're, we're going to take a flyer on, the, on that person right there. We're, 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 we're going to think this one through a little bit. Whereas when you're – to use your example again, like when, when you're barstool and you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. We'll do whatever the fuck we want. If it doesn't work, we'll get rid of it, whatever. And we'll tell our fucking fan base like, ah, oh, that didn't work. That honesty, that open, just let's throw some shit against the wall if we see something mm-hmm. there. That's why people are winning and that's why like – those opportunities will come up, but I understand what you're saying. In the broader industry, it's like a lot of other industries, man. They don't want to take a chance at all. It's tough because it, it's, you know, like you said, it's all about, it's like, how far are you going to risk it? How far are you going to risk giving someone an opportunity that doesn't have one? You know? So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not like I'm fucking newbie, but it's, you know, it's about, to the, to the young guys, young girls and guys out there, you need to just grind. You just need to meet everybody, work everywhere if you can. And I was taught early on just kind of bounce around. Yeah. My first internship, I was like 17 or 18, whatever, how old I was. I don't know, 16, 17. I was Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, you got to bet on yourself, man. You, like if Risk you taking, bet on yourself, and that's what it is. And that's what's interesting about the pandemic I had always said with some of my close confidants, whether it be like Mitch and Mike or or Chaz, I always like it was almost what's the word? It's almost like masochistic in a way, like in a, in a weird way. I, I don't know if that's the word. I gotta I gotta think about that. But you'll see where I'm going with this. I always talked about when shit got bad, right? And what I meant by that was I had always studied the downturns in the economy. And the market, like I remember really paying attention. I was young. I was maybe like 13 or something, but really paying attention when the housing market crashed. Yeah, no way, right? And that was my first time in the middle of it. And I would notice things. Like I would notice the dad who in September 08 was picking up the kid after school in, you know, $100,000 Mercedes. And then April 2009 was picking him up in a used Jeep. I saw shit like that. I remember walking into restaurants that usually had 40 tables filled and now had 12 seven months later. And I saw these effects of things. And the economy drives the vibe, drives the people's vibe, which drives the reaction, which drives people's motivations and it drives their priorities. And I would always talk about with my guys, I'm like, yo, when shit goes bad, because this was a long bull market and everything, right? When shit goes bad, I can't fucking wait. I'm going to run, and we're all going to do it. We're going to run right into the fire while everyone's running out. We're going to bet on ourselves when we do it. And to our credit, a lot of us have. But shit went bad with COVID. Now, the economy crashed, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's like kind of this fake money printing economy that has recovered the the stock markets and stuff, and they're up. But people 
unprecedented, right? People are home. People are depressed. There's all these lockdowns, all this, all, all this shit and noise going on around them. And a lot of people just kind of were like, yeah, you know, I'll wait this thing out. They did what a lot of people do when shit goes bad. They just kind of sit there and they're like, whoa. I don't even want to say they're like, whoa is me. Some people are. But they're not, they're not saying, yo, what opportunities do I have right now? And so, like, even for me specifically, I was in the middle of making an industry shift at the time, which is difficult. doesn't matter how good your resume looks. When Same example with the corporations. You go to these places, you show them a resume, it looks good, but they're like, I don't know where you fit. They don't want to think outside the box. They're like, you know what? I got 12 other people that I know exactly where they fit, so fuck you. And I'm in the middle of this whole thing, and then this hits, and the whole job market goes through the floor, so that's not around. And I'm like, well, okay, what am I going to do? And I had been building this bullshit hobby on the side with no plan, and all the equipment arrives day one of quarantine on March 13th, 2020. And I took one look at it, and my first thought, because the market's fucking tanking, I was still working at Merrill, and so my clients are freaking out. It's crazy. My first thought is, what the fuck am I going to do with this shit? And then I don't know if it was like a minute, five minutes. It was quick. I was like, holy shit. I forgot I had even ordered this. That's a fucking sign. If not now, when? Right. And then I'm like, okay, am I ready for my life to suck for a while? And I was like, yes. I, I'm, In fact, I invite it. Not because like, oh, I'm going to enjoy the shit out of that, but because it's like I know that if I do it right and, I, and I'm honest about where I'm good and where I'm bad and I keep iterating and getting better, yeah. this is the time. Like if, if not now, when we're fucking home and God knows how long this is going to last, when the fuck am I going to do this or have this opportunity again? Now's the time and I'm going to get it done. I right? had the same thing with you. And did. you did it. Yeah, and I you did I, the same thing. Yeah, I I would say it was I I remember I've talked with my friends before. It was this moment where it's like, am I gonna sit on my ass for a little too long? Yeah, and it was about a week or two into the when it, it first started getting serious. And we're up in New York. It was fucking wild, you know. Right, and I remember the first week or two. I'm sleeping in. I'm fucking watching documentaries, movies, whatever. I'm just fucking around, and then, uh, you know, I had the podcast at the time. And I'm not. I'm, never really got guests it was super hard because it would be on the phone and you know yeah. and i was zoom was just kicking in so i the one thing i look from the pandemic as the only blessing in disguise personally is zoom zoom for me has been a blessing in disguise this horrible fucking year the only good thing that's come out of it there's been many good things come out of it for close to home for me and how i've tried bettering myself in my career zoom has helped me out yeah so i thought about it i said zoom I have a podcast. All I need is a new mic. I got the mic in one day, started fucking around with it. I tried Skype. That shit sucked. Terrible. Fucking awful. Hate it. Sorry. Don't like it. Don't apologize. They suck. Not Make apologize. a better product. Yeah. Figure it out. Figure it out. Seriously. And then Zoom worked. And then I just reached out to everybody. And I can tell you, I've gotten far more no's. Yeses. And incredible. what's your hit ratio? Like, what's your percentage? Would you say? <laughs> Fucking garbage. What? What's garbage? Roughly. F for every ten people I ask, I'll get one or two yeses. That's a phenomenal percentage. Because you're you're also asking big time people too. Your guest list is you know. And it's either known. I want it, you, people understand. You're I'm sliding through the DMs. I'm finding emails mm -hmm. from everywhere. I'm talking to agents, PR people. The whole shebang. Yeah. And if I can get, I mean, maybe less, like one out of every 10. 
yeah, one or Dude, two. That's a good hit ratio. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard because you're dealing with like when I can go one on one with the guest and ask like, hey, can you come on thirty minutes, forty minutes, whatever? And I know you're busy. Just come on, whatever. And they said, yeah, sure. Give me your email. Boom. Week later, we do Done. it. It's great. Tough thing is, is going through like PR, going yeah. through agents. It's the worst. I had a really funny story here. So I'm there's this uh, female uh, Sports Illustrated supermodel that I happened to meet on Clubhouse. <laughs> Clubhouse the, has been good to you, man. It's been it's Clubhouse been, has been and, all right to you. And it was you meet an, her off Clubhouse? No, no, no. She's married. She's happily married. Um, okay, yeah, we won't. We won't um, touch that. We. Um, just talked shortly in a room, and then I just I was like, you know what? She's a Sports Illustrated. She's met athletes. Her husband's an athlete. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna. She's hot as shit. She's very pretty, and I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to try it. Whatever. I, I slide her DMs very professionally. I say, hey, look, can I can can you come on my podcast? I'm very interested about, and I am very interested about how the whole process of going through, you know, the whole Sports Illustrated. It's very competitive. Oh yeah. It's extremely, you know. The swimsuit edition. Yes, yes, yeah. It's very, very stressful and a huge pile of girls that are trying to do it. And she was, I think, a cover girl, I think, years ago. And I asked her, so yeah, she's like, yeah, sure. So she said yes. Her people said no. And that is the most stressful shit I've had to go through. Where the, where the talent, the person I want to interview is like, absolutely gives me an email address. Hey, email my people. We'll get it done. We'll do it next week. And this day works good for me. Is this okay for you? And I said, absolutely. I always say absolutely because I, <laughs> I, I make it part of my schedule. Whenever the guest is available, I'm available. Unfortunately, that's how it works. So whenever I'm tuning into WFAN and they're like, I think I lost the producer. That's because you're in the back fucking interviewing someone. Sorry, sorry, Mike. Shut the fuck up. My I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do this and, I'm, and I get the email address from her and it's her either manager or publicist or something. And I said like, oh, here's, um, hi, my name's Taylor. Um, me and so-and-so have been talking back and forth the last couple hours and we are, uh, she wants, I, I'm having her come on my podcast. I will give you the information. How does that sound? And, you know, she wants some details and, you know, questions or whatever. And I give a, I have a legit generic default email that I have for every guest and I just plug and play uh, questions that I I do have to write some questions out to the people that are, if it's a PR. That sucks. It's professional. Sucks. It's annoying, but it's professional. I have to do it. And I created my own and it's worked a lot. Every time I request for a guest, it does work. And then you go, obviously like you don't get to some of those or like, yes, different ones. Right. And yeah. then I add, so like, you finesse it. Yeah, you have to. You have to kind of work around it. And then the publicist is like, yeah, this isn't the right time for it. I'm, but I, I was like, oh, but what she said, she said yes. And like, well, we're not doing it. And then I said, and I legit took a screenshot of the conversation and I sent it to the, her publicist. I said, hey, like, there's Good the for evidence. you. Yeah, you should. And I, and I never do that. Like, you I, have to own it, like you said. You got to, you got, if, if you want it, you got to go get it. Yep. And I did it, and she's like, still said no. And it was super frustrating. And then I just said, I was like, all right, on to the next one. Now is it. And it pissed me off for about an hour, and then I went to the next one. Yeah, and, and it, it, it happens, but that's the thing. You do have to go on to the next one. And this is all on my own. But, right? but and that, that's and you're doing this shit on your own. Yeah. You don't have a fucking publicist. You don't have PR mm -hmm. people. You don't have your own manager or agent, whatever. Imagine how easy it'll be when you get there, though. I can't that's wait. the thing. And that's and that's, that's the thing. It, the, going back to what I said before, it's all about 
doing all this grind for 10 years or whatever, 15 years, you fucking eat fucking dog shit. You're just getting your fucking teeth kicked in. No one appreciate the job you're doing. You're working hard. Some people, you'll get one, hey, good job every fucking year, once a year, sometimes. And I, I'm, there's been times where I've gotten a lot of praise and no praise, even if I did a good job or good work. And you got to keep fucking biting the bullet and doing it because when you do hit it, you're going to look back when you're 25, 26, 27, and you're going to be like, I fucking, I'm so happy that I did all this hard work and I'm fucking post up. I have my own show or I'm, I work for a network and I'm a yeah. host yeah. for a show, whatever it is. And I'm looking, and that's a problem I have. People think it's like uh, people say like I shouldn't do it. I look way too far into the future. Yeah, Cause, you go, cause, look because people think it's unhealthy. You well, I think it's like anything else. There's a nuance to it. You need to be present. You need to be very present. I agree. There, and, right, and, and I when, wasn't for a long time. Okay, so that's where there's I, I would agree with some said people and say that part's a mistake. But it's okay to be like. If you're doing it every day, I think that's problematic, but it's okay to once in a while, again, like kind of as a check to progress, be like, yo, what's my ultimate kind of dream scenario? Okay, how am I doing anything that puts me, am I, or am I doing some of the things that are going to be needed to put me in that position? Right. That's okay. It's a balance, but it's also personal in my opinion. Like I know some people who do not set goals, period. They live and, and they're machines. They live today completely yeah, because crazy, that's what works for them right. and it right. and and it's and and i'm not talking about people who are failures i'm talking about people who are doing so, some so, really cool sure. shit right and then i know other people who all they do is set goals right and it works for them mm -hmm. there is a balance to it i do think that when you're just completely like oh yeah i can't wait till i do that oh oh my god oh yeah what was i doing like when you start to get distracted like that all the time it's a problem. But I, look, this is an important conversation in the sense that it is – it's everything. It's, it is not just going into media or doing something like that. And media is difficult because you have to put yourself out there and, and, and you have to be open to a lot of criticism, including from people you don't know. But I think it's – I got to tell you, I think it's a huge, huge blessing because if you are – in something like this, you need to be interested in people. You need to be interested in all types of people, not just fucking famous people and shit. And the things you learn about what people are thinking or what's going through their mind right. when you have some sort of platform you're building and you're talking with people and you're reading comments on stuff to see where it's at. I love it, man. Like even on, even on TikTok, people, there's a lot of incognito accounts there. So people will say whatever the fuck they want. And they may be like, you know, from behind a keyboard, sure. way too harsh on shit. I actually really enjoy it because I, I am learning a lot. No, like seriously, I don't get nasty at all in the comments. Like some of the videos I've done that have 5,000 comments on them where 2,000 people are like, that's fucking amazing, man. And 2,000 people are like, yo, you're a fucking asshole. I like it all. Like I actually, the positive ones, I'm like, it's more or less like, all right, let me respond and, and thank you for doing that, whatever. But I'm not. It, that reinforcement's like great but it's sure. not you're not learning from that right i'm learning a lot from combining who i see positive responses from and kind of you know sometimes looking at the account cleaning what i can and then who i'm seeing the negative responses to and what they're saying because then the way i'll go back at them and this is where i learn so much is i'm like especially when i'm putting opinions out that are on tough issues i'm like yo i totally get it this is a really tough issue you have a different opinion no problem can you state your case like I, i'll listen sure. 90% of the people never come back. 
because either they're nasty or more likely they did a quick sideswipe comment and didn't think anything of it, and then they're like, "Oh yeah. shit," he responded, and then they're just like, oh, "Well, that's how, know. and that's how a lot of things. That's how that's how it is all the time. That's how a lot of things are on the internet. But ten percent of the people come back, and I end up we have nice conversations because they're so shocked that someone's not like, "Fuck you," you know what I mean? Right. And the things I learn about why people arrive at the things they do is amazing and I find myself like I have to think in this job I have to be very focused on the person across from me and seeing what their vibe is today and what they want to talk about and then uh, you know you start thinking about well, what's the motivation behind some of this stuff if the context is there right? right and then I can relate some of those things and be like oh they really the person I'm talking to really feels X way on this thing right and then I'm like oh I, I know like 3,000 people that are thinking the same way this must be like a thing right and there's there's a gleaning process there that it's I think it can be used in anything, but in media, you have to be willing to. And I'm, this is why I'm tying it back. You ha in order to get that type of attention and and that type of material that you can learn from, you got to put yourself out there, and you got to be willing to be like, yo, yeah, the criticism is going to come. Let's take it. The only thing, as like a side note, that I will be aggressive on in the comments, very aggressive, like scorched earth like um and i'm not killing people but i'm like i will come back at them publicly is when people will try to say yo this is a scripted podcast or something i defend my brand sure. very heavily but then i say i send them i'm like go look at the video here please tell me where there's a script there's three cameras right and what's funny is a lot of those guys end up subscribing and they're like you know what actually i'm surprised i'm used to podcasts being shitty like this this is cool you know right that's the only thing I get nasty on. But people that like are closed-minded that are in this type of business, whether it be sports, news, current events, what, just fucking talking like this, whatever it is, they're not going to get anywhere because A, they're going to be afraid to put themselves out there because they don't want people to disagree with their opinions. And B, when they actually go to do that and you know, then they're trying to start conversations with people, they're not going to be able to because they're fucking hacks. They're like, they're like, nope, this is what I think. That's it. They can't be like people that. thrive off of negativity. Yes. Yep. People thrive from saying this video sucks. Send. Yep. People love because it's easy. It's easy. It's hard to be nice. It's easy to be a fucking prick. Yep. And guess I, and it, it's so funny to me when I see if it's on something like yours or anybody that's of it's in this space. And when I read comments and it's like, I don't understand how you can watch a video probably more than once and then write that. I just, my brain does not calibrate that way and it will, it never will. I'm never a guy to talk shit on a social media platform. Have You're I, not. Have, I'm not. Have I talked shit about something that maybe deserves it like uh, the other day angel hernandez was just a uh umpire terrible umpire fucking the worst the worst umpire ever. and he but you'll understand that everybody is on the same side it's angel hernandez over here and everybody yeah. else is over here yeah. it's equal it, it makes sense for me to say something. I'm not going to comment. If it's a fucking heartwarming video and I say, oh, this shit fucking blows. <laughs> <laughs> but there, but that's the thing. You and me, we don't do that. We don't think like that, right? No. A lot of people out there do. It's believe it or not. It's fucking scary. And like, and what's scarier it doesn't is help. you know some of them and you don't realize it. Right. it I, and I do at the same time. Yeah. And But what's scary is that there's, this whole pandemic, people have been home. Yeah. And they're... And they're 
Look, we've all had moments during the pandemic where we've been stressed, anxiety, we've been upset, we've been fucking angry. And a lot of those all combined together are not a good cocktail. And then people go to the internet to voice their, which is kind of circling back on one of the conversations we had about having everyone has an opinion. And then if someone, they don't, some people don't realize how much work you put into putting a video out. They don't get that you have been, you, we do an interview, we do an interview for three hours. And then you have to go rewatch it for another three hours, time code it, figure out what you want to put on social. And then when you put it on social before that, you're fucking editing it, putting other clips in, you're changing directions on the camera. Why do people buy into it though? Because I don't know, because they're, I wouldn't say because they're interested because it's just there on on social media, I guess, right? You're 100% right. But the second reason is, and that's why it's not a guarantee of stuff. Is it good? Right. And, and that's, and that ties back to another thing we said, you put in all that effort and you know, like I'm sitting across from you. I know you know about this because this is what you do. Like, you know, when I'm sitting across from other people, sometimes I gotta be like, I wonder if they know. And I don't want to sit here and be like, this is all the shit I do or whatever, but you do put in all that time, but the market is the arbiter of truth in the long run, not in the Mm. short term. Things take time. People don't buy into things early. You can even see it on like posts. People are less likely to like a post on a social platform if it just got put up. Maybe not on Instagram, on other platforms, right? When it's got a low amount of likes. Yeah. When it starts to get a higher amount of likes, the like ratio goes up because now people, you know, they can they can fade into the crowd. Same thing when you're building anything. Like people are less likely to subscribe to something, you know, where it's like, oh, this has fucking 10 subscribers. It's got 10,000, they're more likely hit the button right so there's the arbiter of truth is the quality but your point is well taken in the sense that a lot of the people who put out this criticism and stuff where it doesn't even have to do with the video itself and like whether or not it was quality or not they just like saying something negative because they're like fuck this person for even trying they're just reflecting their own securities and insecurities in my opinion because some of those people not all of them but some of them they've wanted to do something like this and they've thought of every reason why they can't, and they don't fucking do it. And then they say, you know what? Fuck this guy for doing what I wanted to do. And you know what? I feel bad for them for that. I don't really, get mad at them. Spot on, man. And and that's a lot of people in um, seen a lot of that where it's you. You know, I'll go on someone's video. Someone posts a cool video, whatever it is, and someone says something fucking nasty, and then you look at that person's profile, and then you see like you know. Yankee Ranger Met Giant fan Die hard You know And it's like Okay so they're Giant sports fan They're a huge sports fan Maybe they wanted Some sort of career To get To get into it You know And it's There's a lot of Like I mentioned before There's a lot of people That just talk about What they want to do They're just not doing it And then they get jealous Of other people That are succeeding That that it's at their We're trying Just trying We're just trying Yeah And I've had I can say this. I've had friends who I'm not friends with anymore say to me, why don't you just like quit? Like well, you're working too hard. Why? Why? And I'm like, oh, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. You're in a, you, you do regular sales, whatever. Yeah. Ashton, like, Ashton Larrell was just in here last month talking about the same exact thing. And you, I love this point. You just, you just don't get it. You know, no, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but like, I, anybody can do sales, but not everybody can do what I'm doing. And I'm doing it 
at this level, low level, I'm saying, I don't know. I'm very, I'm not super low, but I'm saying I'm, I'm working my way up in an industry that's super competitive that a lot of people like to watch and a lot of people want to do. Yeah, I, I, and I wouldn't. I'd be careful too. I'm always careful with generalizations. I say because I, I say them some episodes, and I might have just offended somebody. No, no, no. But. When, when when guests do, I'll, I'll hedge on some of it because I I agree with your point. It's not like anyone can do something like sales, but the barrier to entry to doing it is much lower because is, you can you for hide correct. behind other people when you are creating media. To your point, and especially when it's like, yo, I'm gonna create my show. You have to put your face out there, and you have to have the social tension You're of like being a lot okay of risk involved. Yes. There's a lot of risk involved, and you can fall flat on your face day after day after day after day, and people can say, you fucking suck. You're not good at this. Yep. You'll never be good at this. Yeah. Quit now while you're ahead, and just don't do it. And I, 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 luckily, I haven't seen a lot of that. I've had people tell me in person, they're like, hey, I think you're not great at this. And I said, well, okay, you're wrong. I appreciate your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> But I'm going to stick to working hard and doing it. Well, there's a question for you, actually, because there's that fine line where you're not taking criticism where some of it's like pretty legit. Now, let me back up for a second. When I edit this thing, I'm used to it now because I do it 24-7. I'm used to editing myself and whatever. But even to this day... All the littlest things I do wrong, and I know you can relate to this. You're like, oh, fuck, why did I say that word? Or, or, yeah. or why did I have that filler? Like, there's always shit you can improve on, right? And and so even when people are looking out for you and it doesn't seem that way, they may notice that you say a certain filler word too much and they may be getting on you about it. And it's helpful and it might not come across that way. That said, there are also people who just make the assumption that you can't be you know, one of the people who makes it because that doesn't happen to normal people like us. That's not, no, that's not going to happen, right? And so then they put that criticism out and it manifests the other way. And they're like, no, you're not good at this. Fuck you, get out. You know, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is you have to know where there is legitimate, oh, no, they're right about that thing. Yeah. And I can improve on that versus, no, who the fuck are you? Fuck off. Like, that's not... You know, you're not attracting to my vibe here, and that has nothing to do with what's actually needing to improve here. And like, yeah, I am pretty good at this, and I'm going to make it. See, the thing is, I I, I take constructive criticism because I like it. I mm. like when people tell me this is not great, but I like it only from people that know what they're talking about. I'm talking about people that are in the business that have either been in a long time or they've been in long enough longer than me, right? Now, look, if someone's new in the business and they give me an opinion on what they think of what, sure, what I'm doing, if you're just in the business altogether, I want to hear from you mm. because you know something of, of what I'm trying to put out. You know you know how to do maybe this much of what I'm doing and you have an idea. It's like, hey, maybe you can maybe you can put this segment here instead of here. Yes. That makes more sense. Yes. And guess what? I'm going to listen to it, think about it, and if I agree to it, I'm going to change it. And if I don't, I'm not going to. But I'm going to listen because you're in the same realm. If Joe Schmo from the comment section doesn't like what I'm talking about and thinks it's shit, yep. whatever. I'm not – I'm just yep. – See ya. Agreed. That's it. Yeah. Because you just don't – you don't know. You don't know how things – you don't know how it goes. You don't know how you put a show together. You don't know how to – 
structure a podcast. You don't know how the editing goes. You don't know. You don't know shit. They'll also just be shutting down an opinion they didn't like, though, yeah. and, then, and then broad brushing the but whole. But also product. the comments. Like, oh, you must suck. You know. And the comments section is a. It's also there's there's negative things and positive things with the yes. comment section. It's a beautiful place to see a fan base generate. Yes, agreed. Slowly yes. in the comment section. Companies have gotten big because of the comment section. Yes. You know? And it's just, it is a beautiful thing watching some small podcast become a giant overnight. You know? And it, but that's the thing, though, too. Generally. Like, this isn't a podcast, but like, can a dog face 208 happen? Yeah. You know, the guy rides a skateboard, drinks the juice, plays a song in the background. People are like, fuck it, and he's huge. It can happen. Very rare. Right. Extreme. And so when we see things happen overnight where suddenly something has a following, chances are there were a lot of lean times leading up to that. Like they didn't have a following for a long time. And then people come across it. They're like, holy shit, this is a gold mine or whatever. And then they're big. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. takes, it, it, all, all it takes is one yes or one video or one yeah. photo or something. It just takes one. I, I, I forgot who it was, but he would post fucking videos all the time and nobody's watching. Nobody gives a shit. And then one of them clicked. Well, you were somewhere in here a few minutes ago, I think. You had mentioned like the Gary V point on just making a whole bunch of shit and keeping on putting it out there. The one thing I got to check on that, that I disagree with him on, is that kudos to him when he was coming up in the early days of social media and fucking turning the camera around and trying wines out. Like that worked because there was a low supply. The thing about today's environment is that people are very quick to judge. And if you put out, you can't just put out content to put out content. If you put out content that sucks, which at some point you are going to do something wrong, right? But if you put out 10 in a row because it's like, oh, I just got to post. I need more, 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 more. You're going to get fucked, especially on like the discoverable platforms like TikTok. If you put out 10 bad videos in a row that your audience doesn't like, you're done. Good luck. They will send the minimal, they will send your future great videos, if you actually come up with them, to the minimal number of people to press them forward. So it better be perfect and it better hit those people at the best possible time of their day where they happen to take an action of the engagement and now it has a shot. You can't put out bad shit consistently. You have to put out things that actually have a level of quality to them and you have to iterate to get to that quality. What happens if you're like an 18-year-old kid in your first internship and you're getting some airtime on radio or whatever? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be garbage, but you need to put it out there. Like I, I, I have I have the feeling where it's like I think to motivate yourself and to – you're gaining um, – I know what you're saying now. Yeah, go you're, ahead. You're gaining – I can't think of the word. Hold on. You're gaining um, – you're encouraging yourself like, hey, look. Yes. I got to get some sort of attitude. I got I got to be okay with putting shit out there. And a lot of kids are just scared to push it out there because they think it's yes. going to be they're going to be f destroyed because there's there's not 500 likes or there's not 1000 likes on there. There's only 20 or there's only 20 views instead of 200 and they're freaking out. Why you know, I'm never going to post again. Right. So my advice there and you know, advice very big air quotes there is that for that example let's say someone gets 30 minutes of airtime if it's not great but you need to get yourself comfortable with yo this is the first step and i agree with that don't cut it up into 60 30 second clips and release 60 30 second clips over the go. next 60 days yeah 
cut it up into three and release them over the next three months and then let people track it slowly over and time. And then you dissect that sixty, that yeah. 30 minutes and you listen to it over and over and yep. over again. And you figure out what you need to fix, and then you do it again and again and again. I agree with you. I think the way you're looking at this is correct. Yeah, and that's how I was raised. I was like, and not, not raised, but how it's how I was brought up in the, in the industry. It's like, and I was so afraid to do my own to put stuff out when I was younger. Yeah, because one, I didn't know how to edit that great. I started editing when I was in high school, but you know, as you do more of it, like in anything, you do do more of it, you get better at it. But I was extremely nervous putting out stuff. Um, the very first time I did radio was in college, and it was so funny, dude. Like, <laughs> this is what I was talking about way before I was in the mansion, because Francis is a goat, and they just, you know, we just talk. tell her, tell her, tell her. I'm not a goat. Five, my guy. The five hours of the Pope, whatever you want to fucking call him, the guy talks five hours straight yeah, by amazing. himself. And I remember this radio station to my college. It was shit. It was garbage. And it was, I remember it was my sophomore year. I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go like look see what this is about. And then there was like a block of time on the list that was available. I was like, all right, Wednesday is nine o'clock, I'll do it for a semester, see how it goes. Man, dude. First of all, you listen to the radio your whole life, but when you get in it and you're sitting in it, you mm -hmm. fucking go blank. Yeah. And I remember there was like the plexiglass, right? And the other side was the producer. And I stared into the plexiglass <laughs> for an hour straight. And I didn't know. Didn't know. I didn't know how they structured the radio show. I didn't know I could like play music as a commercial break. I went one hour straight without commercial breaks. <laughs> that was the best practice ever, dude. I was stressing out. And guess how many people listened? Six people. Yeah. My five roommates and my dad, and then maybe a couple of his buddies. And mm -hmm. like they would call in different names, and it was great. I and but it was like. The call-in feature was so stupid. The phone was sitting right here. So you, uh, you'd you be listening to the show and you would hear the phone ring. I go like this. Well, I'm, I'm taking one of my headphones oh, off. Oh, some old school shit. Take that phone, put it here so it's close to the microphone. The phone is close to the microphone. I'm talking. It was so ass backwards. And there were so many times the producer was sleeping. <laughs> producer <laughs> said it was just high. Definitely. Yeah. And the producer would be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get some dinner. I'm going to go Never get another show edible. Up. There was one, it was the last show I did it because I was furious at how, how it did it, how they ran it. There was, I didn't know at the time I was in the studio, there was a like network shutdown in our college. The, the network server went out for like two hours right when I started my show. I was going to say, while you're on there. Okay. From eight to nine or nine to 10, whenever it was. And there was no producer. The producer's like, hey, um, all you have to do is press play, whatever. So there wasn't anybody to tell me that the server went out, the network server went out. So I recorded a, pot, a, a, a radio show that nobody listened to. So I was talking to myself for an hour, no idea. I'm, and I have my phone on airplane mode, turn back on, I'm getting a bunch of messages like, yo, we can't hear anything. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, I just wasted an hour of my life doing this. No, you didn't because you thought, the but, whole thought was you thought you were on there and you were getting reps. And then I find out as soon as I get back to my apartment, I was like, yeah, the whole, like there was no internet. There was servers are done. And I, f I was so angry. But it's those learning experiences that you have to have. Like the yeah. one I said before, when I was with, with the Minnesota Twins and I got thrown into it and I got yelled at by a player. But you have to learn those early on because you don't want to learn those, that, that, that kind of stuff, that, those experiences later on in life. You want to learn 
the fucking the tough shit where the servers yeah. go out and it's all you know it it was it's funny talking about it now but the moment was fucking irritating well we're still in the middle i mean knock on wood here now the vaccine's spreading far and wide and everything so it seems like it appears like we're coming out on the other side of this thing finally but we've been in this for 15 months or 16 months whatever it is and you were talking about something a little bit ago where you know everything was exacerbated with emotion during this time because people are home they got nothing to do 100 percent right right but looking back on on it's just reminding me of this like you're looking back on some of these experiences where you got to learn some stuff do you find that like during this whole time where you're on an island pretty much it's like it's harder to put yourself in some situations because it's not even real and you're like we're all separated anyway and everyone's just fucking miserable so like is, is this even like is there more doubt that you have or have had because like the world is just in a fucking miserable place you're saying doubt of like of just how my career is going kind of way or like not e no no not even that broadly i'm saying like in in creating content and, and doing what you're doing is there like i'm probably not asking this right i know what this is one of those things where i know what i want to ask but it's very hard to right, put in words yeah. is there like a part of you that's thinking everything is so negative right now that even when I put out, put myself out there, quote unquote, and I'm putting out content and maybe on some things I'm not seeing the results I want to get or whatever, yeah. it's exacerbated. You feeling down on yourself about it or like, oh, this isn't going right or whatever. It's, it's and it's harder to put yourself in those situations where it's like, yo, no, this was a really good learning experience because I'm not going to fuck that up again. You it, know, It's definitely the time because I think um, during the last – whatever 15 months or so it seemed like everybody in anything you you've done you would do it has to be perfect and has to be right yeah and putting out video content or audio content it's not possible to put out perfect stuff no. it's just not and personally for me i've gone to i've had points where i don't want to do it like i've done there was a couple of weeks I didn't do a podcast because I was so stressed out about like, I don't have a guest this week. Fuck. I don't know. I, I, the, the sports are, there's nothing really going on in sports. Fuck. And, yeah, you know, it was stopped. And then, but, the, the, but there was even times of like fucking a couple of weeks ago, I'm just struggling. And I, and I, in the, you have to, it's a never ending race yeah. to compete with everybody. Yes. It's exhausting. I want to hit a point in my career where I know I did my all. I worked my ass off, and I've hit. I made the money I want to make. Uh, there's, I have a name, and under that name, I have a bunch of shit that I've done. And I and look, I, do I want to be the best ever? Do it, yes. But the last year, or so it's like I, I I don't want to stress myself out to the point of exhaustion and just like I'm like depressed to do this shit anymore. Yeah. To be number one. Yeah. I want to be the best to ever do it. I think I can, but it's 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 all about timing and working hard and everything in the universe needs to hit at the same time to start it. And once you start the fucking the the goal you want to hit in your career, then you need to look at what you got and what you're in the moment right now and you need then then you have to kind of progress and 
keep that train going. It's just the whole the whole thing is stressful, and this whole year has been stressful with everything. Yeah, because you and you've been you live up in New York. You've been there the entire time, and we all know because I was still living up there in North Jersey yeah. when this thing hit, and I was up there for a couple months at the beginning, and we all know it was a cyclone. Like and. The people in states that were less affected by COVID may not be able to understand that, and that's why some of them don't get everything that happened. And to some extent, I agree with the with the lengths we ended up going to for a long time. But if you were around there, if you were around New York, you know, this thing was a fucking mess at I the beginning. I remember when the city first shut down. Yeah. I had to go into the office right when it shut down. What date? Oh, I don't remember. It was the second what? week in March, maybe? Third week in March. Was it that Friday? It was, yeah, I worked Saturday. Yeah. That, yeah, that's when I started. I remember, so I remember this. So the rumor was going around that the city was going to shut down. And mm-hmm. then it started getting serious. And I remember it, was, it must have been the second week of the shutdown, not the first one. Because I said to my boss, like, I'm not comfortable. Like, I'm, I'm super scared. I'm nervous. I don't know. Like, I don't want to go into the office. Bro, we thought it was killing, like, 20% of the population. Like, at the beginning. We we forget that, but, like, quick. we I, did. Right. And and I, just like you, me, and everybody else, had no idea what was going on. And I, I, I said, like, hey, I'm, I want to work. I'm just, I'm scared. Yeah. And I don't want to go. And he said, all right, fine. And the next week, I mustered up the confidence to go. And I drove in. And it took me 45 minutes from Suffolk County to Manhattan, downtown Manhattan, in 45 minutes, which is unheard of. Yeah. No like, traffic, yeah. nothing. And I remember when I parked my car, it was police officers, homeless people, and a couple people walking their dog in near the West Village on a Saturday evening, 6 o'clock. You know how it is. Oh, it yeah. is jam-packed on a Saturday. Could you hear a thing? It was pin drop, dude. It was so eerie. And I remember I had to walk. I walked in, and I was given a second ID, and it was a um, like um, uh, what's it called? A um, central workers card. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if a cop pulled me over, and it's like, what are you doing out right now? I'm a central. Media. If you looked at the like the the central workers list, it was like all health personnel, and the media was there. <laughs> yeah, because you know no, it was. If you're not sports, is a little different. But if like people on like CNN or Fox or NBC, yeah, they rolled everyone into it. Rolled yeah, yeah they rolled yeah. all those people into it. And um, I remember I walked in. You know, our studio, our floor, where all the studios are, and the and like the uh, bullpens where all of us worked in there. It was always packed. And I remember there was I think three people, two or three. And I just sat there for six hours because no sports. I just sat there, didn't do anything. And I was just like, this is the weirdest shit I've ever done. And I go back out, and my shift's over at midnight, and it's usually popping, and it's just this dark, eerie, lonely, just empty place. And I said, like, is the world going to fucking end? Yeah, dude. And, and some people, again, might not get it based on where they live. And everyone gets it to an extent because, like, we, we, we right, see, we've seen involved. what happens. Yeah. But – it was a different level. Dude, it was now. fucking, it was so, it's something I'll never forget. It was so weird. I went up there, I'm headed, and now it's starting to loosen up. I'm, right. I'm hearing like, it, you know, because people are getting vaccinated and everything. I still have one round left to go, but 
a, a lot of people are fully vaccinated at this point and especially yeah you're done now and especially up in in new york because people are just like let's we're done let's fucking get this thing let's get on with life and i'm seeing from the outside that like a lot of restaurants are popping they're supposedly like full all go open in a couple weeks which knock on wood let's hope that continues and it's great but like there was a time there I, my first time i i went back was end of january i had probably half my guests have been from new york the other half have been from philly probably 45 and 45 and then 10 percent have been from miami interesting little diaspora there but i went back up with one of my guys from new york when i had him in at the end of january and i was so mentally prepared for what i was going to see because i you know i i keep this right here on on the goddamn headphone amplifier i love new york new york is the center of the world it's my favorite place right and from afar you see this happening because eventually I was from afar, I was back down here in South Jersey, and you just see it keep on dipping lower and lower and lower, and you know, like, they're getting crushed and all this shit, and it's like, oh my god, like, the center of the world's just stopping, and I was like, okay, it's gonna be really bad, just, you know, don't have expectations, and I gotta tell you, man, I got there, and it was worse, and it wasn't worse because of what I saw of the city. I will actually say that physically... The city looked better than I thought. You know, there were some boards. There were some rats in places where there usually aren't actually rats. You know, there's, right. there, was some, there was some graffiti and stuff like that. But buildings seemed pretty good. It was the people that scared the shit out of me. Because everyone was terrified. And, you know, this is eight, nine months in. And they're dead. They're wearing fucking three masks and, and a face shield. They're looking down. They won't look at you. It's like a nice day outside and people are terrified. And... I'm like, yo, I don't know when that bell is going to unring. And so what it feels like to me now, and this is where I have more hope, is that from everything I've been seeing and all my guys who are up there, it's st- like people are actually, I, I guess maybe the confidence comes after you get vaccinated and stuff. People are actually like, oh, no, we're okay. Like, and, and they're actually behaviorally returning to more like, eye contact and being in bigger groups of people and and like being okay. And is that, you know, part of this might be wishful thinking on my end because that's what I want to see. But is that what you're experiencing? Because you're in there all the time now with WFAN. Um, Yeah. It's so nice to see the city just packed. Yeah. It's not fairly. It it feels nice to see people walking around. Yeah. You know, they're masked up. Everyone feels comfortable-ish, you know, and there's the vaccine is definitely a a like calming effect on some people, including myself. It's just, it's a safety guard. Yeah. Now is it, we don't know if it's going to be, you know, a hundred percent working all day, every day. There is no such thing as a 100% vaccine. This is the most impressive vaccine that was ever made though. It's going to have to be good enough, man. Hey, look, I've said it for, I've been very good since the beginning of this. I've done the right thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like how much I, I can't I can't I can't do it in much longer. You can't do any more. I can't. You've done I can't, everything you're I've supposed done, to do. I've done it. I've worn the mask. Yep. I've not gone out. I've done gone out. Yep. I've done takeout. I've helped small businesses. I've done the right thing. Yep. And now I got the vaccine. The you we you, you, the thing is I think people still and I have a hard time. I still do it. Not still do it. I've done it where I was like you know I had the vaccines like oh I can just relax now. Well, you, you you can't just you have to be still smart, but 
with me, the vaccine, I feel so much better because I, I'm like, all right, so now I can kind of go back to normal-ish. Yeah, me, so, and and you got it, like, at the mid, you were done, what, the end of April? Mm-hmm. So you weren't, like, really early. But if you got it at the very beginning, like December, January, maybe even February, I would agree with you on that. Now, we are at a point where, because my whole thing was like, first of all, I'm in here all the time. Like, my guests decide to come or they don't, right? And I want all the old people to get it first and the people who really sure. fucking are in danger. So I waited, and now I'm halfway through or whatever. But part of the thing that I was like, okay, we're ready to roll, is like, you can get it everywhere. It is available. At like CVS. Dude. Walgreens. It, everywhere. That kind of freaks me out. The, I feel like it needs to be at like a... Maybe. And that's a separate... Com- we, maybe we'll we'll get to that too. But I'm saying like, my point is... If you don't want to get it, because, like, you know, whatever your personal reasons are, okay, no problem. Like, right. that's your choice. Like, that's not what I'm going to do. Sure. Fine. I'm not going to sit here and get in a fucking dick measuring contest with you over a vaccine. But the point is, what? Th- there comes a point where it's like, there's been enough time. If you didn't get it, no problem. Like, that's the risk. I'm not fucking changing my life for you. I'm going out there. Like, we're chilling. I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. Let's fucking go. And that band-aid has to rip off and people have to have to be comfortable with that and you know what like because that's the other thing the people who don't want to get vaccinated chances are 99 percent of them don't think it's a big deal anyway so why why fucking cave to to that and again respect I, and i want to say that and i know some people will be like yo fuck you for saying that it's every it's everyone's choice what you put in your body fine and I'm cool with that, and I don't think the government should be fucking telling everyone exactly what they have to do. That's bullshit. But – because this one's also different. It's not like tetanus and all those that have been tested for years. I understand that like some people are a little nervous about that, even though that's not really how the science works. Separate point. I get it. But w- the rest of us are not going to keep changing our lives to be like, yeah, we're just going to let this pandemic last another three years because you don't want to fucking do it. I'm not okay with that. Yeah, there's there has to be kind – of, I think um – there has to be a point in time where right what, what do you need like 60 70 percent of the population to get we're not that far off so it, i gotta look, check the numbers but we're not like that far I, off. I don't know the numbers i'll yeah. state that for a fact yeah no, i don't take our numbers because no. like we don't know i but. don't know i'm just saying it's when the government gives you an option to do something you have the opportunity to either do it or don't i would say it's majority of the time the government is doing their in their best interest for the people Right. Um. <laughs> for most of the time, I wouldn't say all the time, for most of the time. So I'm not going to touch that. Okay. So what I'm saying is, okay. personally for me, the vaccine's there. Give it to me. I want to try yeah. to go back to normal as much as I can, slowly, mm-hmm. from whatever the guidelines suggest. CDC yesterday just fucking just announced that you don't have to wear, what is it, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're fully vaccinated. Oh, the press conference he did like a week ago or was, whatever? No, the CDC put out something yesterday. Was, I, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. They, they did say that. So it's, whenever it was. So there's, there's, there's a progression coming, and, I, and I, it's lovely to see that things are moving up and up. And, and look, it's going to help everything. It's going to help restaurants. It's going to help small businesses. It's going to help our brains. It's, yeah. We're, we're going to try. And look, we can go back to sporting events. Yeah, th- yeah, that's which is time to go, baby. Which is which is a part, but it's it's. I hate when people say like, you know, like, why are you so focused on sports? It's sports is not the you know, it's politics. It's critical. And, and it, uh, sports 
is an outlet for millions of people around the world to escape from what their reality is. Yep. So some people have a, you know, nine to five, five days a week and they fucking hate their job, but they know on Sundays they can go watch the giants with their boys and just kind of sink into the couch and have a beer, a couple wings and forget everything. And then they know after the game's over, reality starts back up, but they know 17, now 17 times in the football season. That's another conversation. They're going to have something to look forward to. And I think with how the, People are getting vaccinated, and you have you know big celebrities and athletes promoting to get vaccinated, and, and yeah, it things are gonna things are coming, and things are getting better, and I'm so happy to see it because um, you know last year was tough. It's last year was tough, and I think yeah. I think people need to be positive enough to see that things are in the right direction. First of all, your point about sports is so spot on because that vibe tailgates having fun not worrying about shit just letting life happen yeah sports is like at the top of the list man it's so important people so, have traditions yes they have yeah. i have season tickets for 35 years yeah. and every sunday i go with my yeah. family and neighbors and we all get our rvs together and we start grilling at eight o'clock in the morning that's people look forward to 100 percent. the other point you're raising though a piece of a bigger point and and this is where i just think it's like there's some just weird shit going on, and I fuck if I know what it is, so I'm not going to say, because I don't. But I mentioned a few seconds ago where I made an aside about how people don't understand the science behind vaccines. But I also get why they don't and why they're why they're so skeptical about shit. And it does go in a little bit to your point about if the government's offering something, because governments generally are power-hungry, regardless of the fact that True. we tend to historically... Even if you want to call it all pieces of shit, we have had the best piece of shit relative to the rest of the world on top of the pile for a long time. And I will I will fight that point because it is true. Like, go to China, people. See how you like that fucking government. Anyway, that aside. The psychology of compelling or encouraging people to do something. What, as kids, if your, if your dad said to you, like every dad did, when you're 15 or your mom, whatever. Hey, don't drink. You want to go fucking drink. Because you say, why? Because I fucking told you and you're going to get in trouble. You want to do the opposite. And the thing about the vaccine that has pissed me off so much is the marketing around it. Because the marketing is fucking the most patronizing. Like even some, I understand when people are like, it's authoritarian in that. And like, there's an element of that, but it's it. The thing is, it has distracted from what the vaccine is and what the fucking point is, and the fact that, that we're not talking about a drug. Like, here's the other thing, and I'm not going to go too deep because I am not a medical expert. I'm going off of some things that, like John Schneider was in here, who you know works in the industry and knows a lot. Back back in January, I'm going off things that smarter people than me have said. But the science between like a vaccine and a drug, very different. Very different. A vaccine takes elements of a, of an actual disease that it's supposed to fight and injects it in a controlled manner into your body so that your body does the fucking work and teaches itself how to build antibodies. That is an overgeneralization, but that's how it works. Sure. And we've gotten to the point where because people are seeing marketing that is, you know, they get the fucking push button notifications from Instagram. Check out where you can get the vaccine. Everyone dancing in mass and shit. They see, you know, 
by the way, there's like I, I have some friends in the black community who who are not doing it, and I don't argue with them because they feel like the the marketing of the vaccine is fucked, and they're like this is racist as shit. They got people doing TikTok dances to like rap songs outside of hospitals and stuff, and I'm like. If you wanted people to not take a vaccine or question a vaccine, do everything you're fucking doing right now. They've done it totally wrong. And I think there's an outlier in New York or in like North Jersey in hot spots because we remember. We saw what it did. We saw how bad it can get. So we're kind of like I'm pretty good at ignoring it. I notice it and I'm like, wow, that's really stupid. But like I know what I'm getting here and I'm, I'm going to go get the fucking vaccine, right? You know, like, all right, let's get this over with. Like, oh, this is great. We got it. Let's go. But there are people around this country who weren't in hotbeds, right, who don't have that experience, who are like, yo, this is fucking sketchy as hell. And I, it it stresses me out to think about it because I see us now – it's not even political at this point. It's like weird. It's a diaspora. I see us now stretching on this fucking line of, of, of vaccines. We already have this stretch of like Democrats and Republicans fucking killing each other, and now we're just and, – and all the racial issues, everything. Now we're just creating another divide around something, and it's not going to go away because there's going to be people who don't fucking take this. And then they're what the fuck happens then? Well, I think that was a given, though. I think that was an absolute Yeah, but given. how many? How many? Yeah. How many aren't going to take this? I don't have a percentage for you, but I'm, it's not five. It's higher. Yeah, I mean, but it, that, that, that's something the government knew coming in, though, is that people, you know, they don't agree on everything. So no. let me know when, when the, our entire population agrees on one thing. But, no, you know, they won't. Yeah. It's, that will never happen. You're right. You're right about that. So there's that. Yeah, it's it's just like I'm exasperated with it. I, as you can tell, I'm ready for this to be over. So, you know, it's it is it is promising to hear that New York of all places is starting to starting to feel a little yeah, better. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's, it's awesome to see. I know I'm going up there in a couple of weeks too. So, you oh, got a link when you're up there. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I'm I'm gonna be in the city on Sunday going to some outdoor brunch. I can't wait. Just it's just nice to kind of like do the normal things you're supposed to do in your twenties. Yes. And you know what? I'm never taking it for granted again. All the times where I canceled on, yeah. ah, we're staying. Fuck that. I'm going out. And there's some times where you and me got to work. There is. But still, yes. like, you know, one out of three times where we would have, nah, we're going we're gonna to go. We're oh, going to yeah. go make sure we see people, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a nice excuse for a good balance. You know, you're still responsible for yourself and your work and getting it done. And I, I think this pandemic has, like, taught all of us like who we really are, I think. Yes. I think we, you're, you really reckon, I mean, some people took advantage of the, of a horrible opportunity. They took advantage on it where it's, they put a podcast together or they, they did something that, a hobby that they had and now they turn into a career or yes. something, you know what I'm trying to say. But I, I, what I learned from the pandemic is that I, I thought I was a hard worker before. And I've turned into a fucking madman of a hard worker. If it's putting on content, if it's applying for jobs five, six days a week, working my ass off, just talking to people, being on Clubhouse or whatever it is, I've learned that I am an extremely hard worker and I'm proud of that because Good. it's it's all about when the, your cards are down, how hard are you going to you know, fix it. How are you going to fix the problem? How, what lengths are you going to go to fix the situation that you're in? 
you know, it's there's millions of Americans out there that have had an issue this year, and they learned that like if you if I can't fix it, like what the fuck am I gonna do? Am I gonna mm-hmm. just sit where I am and just sulk? No, you can sulk while you're fucking trying to fix it and be upset, but that's the one thing I learned is that you need to if you want to fix a situation, fucking go and do it. Pull yourself up with it. Pull yourself yeah. up and just do it. Yeah. It's going to take a little while, but it's if you can get a nice head start on it, then, then then you're in the right direction. Dude, I think that's a perfect place to leave off. I think you said that beautifully. I have nothing to add to that. Thanks, man. Listen, man, it's great to see you in person. No, we've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad you came down. Taylor also, like on a Friday, drove like three and a half hours down here, so I really, really appreciate that. I'm proud of all the work you're doing. Thank you, man. And like, Likewise. Thank you. And it's really cool when you meet someone at like a random event and you end up being tight with them and then keeping in touch and everything. And that was a fun weekend. We had interesting diverging paths of that weekend after <laughs> yes, the different shit did. that happened. But yes, we did. That was a damn dude. Like that was a couple years ago. And look at where we are now. It is a, obviously it's a brave new world, but all the shit that happened. But like the progression of where things are for you and for me, just two different Isn't that worlds. crazy how just things just just change yeah. in an instant like that but that's why your point's great you gotta just adjust and fucking if you have a problem fix it and there there has to be a level to which you have that self-motivation to do it i, I love how you put that whole thing thanks man so, appreciate that thank you for doing it of course we'll man. do it again down the line can't wait keep building you're doing your thing and we'll see you soon let's go thank yeah. you appreciate it everybody else give it a thought get back to